Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to episode 132 of, wait, what? Comics and Pop Culture Peaceling. Graham McMillan shelves his incandescent rage long enough to talk comics with me in this two-hour installment. Topics covered include the Fantastic Four and its place in the Marvel Universe, audiences that like sales numbers, Adam Warren and his story in A Plus X issue number 10, The Trinity War, another discussion of the pros and cons of Indestructible Hulk by Mark Wade, Captain Marvel, Infinity Number 1, Trinity War, Buffy Season 9, The Prisoner Adaptation by Jack Kirby, three new stories by Dash Shaw, and the inevitable much, much more. Ultra hasty show notes for this episode are available at savagecritic.com, and we always welcome your comments and questions at waitwhatpodcast at gmail.com. As always, we thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy. Yeah, I start, oh my god, that's a fro- Oh, listeners, you have no idea. <laughs> so, I, as you may know, listeners, Jeff and I are not using Skype anymore, we're actually using uh, Apple FaceTime, which means that we see each other. And so, Jeff thought it would be funny, and by funny, he clearly means terrifying to lean up against the camera so it was like a really tight close-up of Jeff's face looking crazed. That's the only way to describe it. That was both funny and utterly fucking terrifying. Thanks, Jeff. I win! Yay! (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. Sorry, I had to do it because I leaned in to do something and I'm like, oh no, I'll just hold that thing. I I was testing things because listeners, I I admit I was sort of trying to pull a fast one. I was hoping that uh, people wouldn't notice the fact that our, our mixing levels have been kind of bad lately, but the last couple of people... On uh, our really wonderful comments thread, there were a few people who pointed out they're having problems with it. So I took some preemptive steps to hopefully make this better uh, so that Graham and I mix out a little bit better. I can dig up the old level later, too, if that doesn't work. And so I called the But we also have a plan B. Oh, there's so many plans. There's a plan B. Yeah. There's a plan C. We got plans all over the place. So, but we're going to see how this one goes. I think this will be good. And if not, then we can adjust it in our weeks off and what have you. But, so I made a test call with Edie earlier, uh, where she and I were FaceTiming, and uh, I just realized at one point, if I just froze my face, like FaceTime was frozen up, that was hilarious, so... Yeah, you see, here's the thing. It's not hilarious. You think it's really funny. You did this to me last week as well. You think it's funny. It's not funny. I know, I know. It's not funny at all. (laughs) Oh, man. Hey, how are you doing? Good. It's good to see you. I mean, you've even got the shades down, so I mean, you're completely you could, yeah. You could almost see me. Almost. Yeah. yeah there yeah. we go. See. Yeah. But, yeah. Otherwise, you're more of a sort of spectral silhouette, I guess, which sounds sexy. Um. So, how's this week been for you, Graham McMillan, in comics? Otherwise? Oh. Let's see. Let's let's not talk about outside of comics. <laughs> hellish outside of comics. Really. Oh, really. No. I, what Jeff knows, and this might have been a leading question or it might not, was on Monday, I think, I emailed him and was like, I'm going to be in a terrible mood come Thursday because everything's going wrong this week. Uh, and I'd, it's gotten better. I oh, should good. say that. It, it didn't go as bad as it could have gone. But if we'd had this podcast on, like, Tuesday, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, people would have, not least you, would have been surprised by my incandescent rage. <laughs> Oh, first off, I have to say that if I have a college band, uh, Graham McMillan's Incandescent Rage would be a great title. (laughs) 
<laughs> and Ernie and Gus Gus clearly agree. And uh, uh, and so I'm sort of bummed we don't quite get to see that. I mean, good for you and good for civilization <laughs> that things are better for you. But there's part of me like, ah, we missed incandescent rage. Good, good for me still having jobs. Yes, that's right. That is true. Oh, was it in that level of like incandescent? Oh yeah, yeah. It, it, it was. It was. I almost quit something. Incandescent rage. Wow, really? Ooh. Yeah. yeah that's not good. That is not good. That is too much incandescent yeah. rage. Technically. Yeah, that was just. Little, I'm, I'm not joking. Like, I'm rarely angry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I generally like. I'm fairly upbeat. I was just. Uh, I was. I was not in a good place on Tuesday. Oh, man, I am so sorry. I, I will. I will. I will give you details um, when we stop recording because this is not something that anyone who is who is not like you basically needs to know. Um, but yeah, it, it was a crazy ass week. Wow! And then you know, Marvel offered me the job doing Fantastic Four, and I was like, I just can't. I'm sorry. I, I'm in the middle of incandescent rage. Right. I, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's kind of a shame. That's sort of a shame because it really would have been awesome to see you get to do uh, Fantastic Four over Matt Fraction's I, credits. I, yeah, I could have been Chris Roberson's Matt Fraction's uh, JMS. I know. Think about that. Wouldn't wow. that be actually like? Imagine that was w- would happen. That would be the worst thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Would it be the worst thing in the world? I like the idea that what it means is two years later, you you and Kate end up starting a digital comics imprint. <laughs> yeah, 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 that that would that would be the plus. I was meaning more in the sense of I think I would be terrible at it, and I I don't think I'd be able to bring like the same level of, shall we say, making something great out of a complete shit show. Oh the yeah, Roberson Prince Robertson certainly did, didn't he? Yeah, he really did. Yeah, there is a special you know, show I mean, award for that. Yeah, I, I, I would not really. I would just be like, "What is this? What? Why is the thing talking in, in all bold all the time? What the fuck? No, I don't like this at all. Why? Why? Why are they sick? I, what? This is stupid. Yeah, that would have been me. It would have been terrible. Actually, knowing you, Graham, what you would do is you totally would have taken his outline and you would have changed it so that they would have all the Fantastic Four who are still out in hyperspace or whatever would have come across Thing World, you know, from after Secret Wars because you love those so much. Oh my much. god, I, do- I totally would. Oh, see, here's the thing. I wouldn't, but I totally wish I had come up with that idea. <laughs> no, what I'd really do is I'd have, like, the real Fantastic Four come in to, and, like, meet the Matt Fraction Fantastic Four be like, wow, something weird's been going on for the last year. I'd totally just pull something like that. I that would be No, great Thing too. Worlds would be great. Mm-hmm. Thing Worlds was so... Yeah, oh god, but that's didn't that fall apart? Wasn't that the end of it? Well, sure, Graham, but I'm these fairly are fairly sure it's yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's but then, back in then the I could wrap up what happened with the Beyonder in the in uh, Illuminati series where they're like the Beyonder's an inhuman, or is he? Huh? And then did nothing with it. <laughs> well, you're right. They could all wrap up. Yeah. See, man. Oh man. See, you're a genius. This is they pretty should, exciting. Totally should have given it to you. No, me? No, I didn't read those yes. issues. They should have clearly you, they should you have given just it to both of us. Well, no, but I mean, that's totally, I'm I'm like King Kibitzer. You know, that's totally, that's what I like doing best, unfortunately. So they should have given it to you because you would have taken the heat. And then I would have gotten to suggest all sorts of like great ideas and things. And so by the time they fired you off of the job, like it would have been, part of it would have been for like my ideas. And I'd be like, yes, they were it's, so good. It's a, sh- it's a short term gig. It's a short. It's only until issue sixteen, and then they're they're, I guess, relaunching the title again. 
Man, Fantastic Four is... Um, well, you know, we talked about this. We come back and forth, uh, no pun intended, on this over the years. And I remember us. I remember me just saying, like, Fantastic Four should just be, you know? It's like, just end it. I, I, I think you're right, and I don't want you to be right. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, but I don't know how to do Fantastic Four right now. I don't, I don't know what, I don't know how to do it and for it to be a success. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I really uh, especially because I, I, I was just rereading the Lee Kirby stuff again, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you really are just like, this is just perfect. Yeah, you know, th- this is the stuff. Right, and I, I think as badly as he's done it, I think that's what's gotten Infraction's head for his Fantastic Four as well. Mm-hmm. That he's like, oh, the Lee Kirby stuff—that's the shit. That—that's what everyone should be doing. And I think it, I think Fractions. I'm trying to think of a nice way to say this. I think Fraction's not very good at doing superhero comics. Mm-hmm. I think he works best when he works against them. Yes. Uh, I think Iron Man, for example, is working against the, the, the idea of Iron Man as opposed to... Let's do an Iron Man story, whereas like his Thor, I think he was like, I'm going to try and do a Thor story, and it was just a fucking mess. Um, and so, again, like Hawkeye, is, I think, works really well because it works against the idea of Hawkeye the superhero. But I think Fantastic, for Fantastic Four, he was trying to be traditional, yeah. and I just don't think he does it very well. Yeah. Well, but to be fair, again, almost sort of the same way that, um, that Chris Roberson clearly had such a love of Silver Age Superman, or Superman throughout all the ages and was able to throw in the stuff that he wanted... Like I just mm. kind of don't know if there's an if there's someone who's able to really synthesize the Fantastic Four well enough. I mean, some people, of course, really loved Hickman's work, which left us both pretty cold. Um, and I think so. I think apart from that, or my crazy, yeah, George R. 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 Martin idea. Like I think for the most part, I kind of feel like the Lee Kirby stuff is just so hard to better. And now that enough time has passed, it's also incredibly hard to imitate. So I don't really know how you would manage to do it. You know, like well, the other the other thing is, can you imitate it? Because it's so the Lee Kirby stuff is so out of sync with what today's comic readers, especially today's Marvel comic readers, want. Exactly. That even if you imitate it really well, and I think that like Carl Kiesel being announced as the the essentially fill-in writer mm-hmm. to finish off Fraction's run. It's great for me. Every time Kiesel's done the Fantastic Four, I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. I think he really understands characters. But I think he will do a really good Lee and Kirby impersonation. Exactly. And I don't think that's what the I don't think that's what the marketplace wants. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I you know? totally agree. I totally agree. I don't I don't think and who knows? Maybe maybe it's just going we're just wrong on on in on this front. But I just I don't see the Fantastic Four they didn't really work well as a movie. They didn't they're not really working well as a comic. You know, it's like I think that they should like do some sort of crazy save the world seal themselves off in the negative zone. <laughs> See, it sounds like Hickman again already. And then just kind of that's it. And just kind of do without. Because they've gotten to a stage of, um, you know, I don't know. I just feel like all of, any particular aspect of the Fantastic Four, especially, you know, Ben Grimm as kind of the 
you know, working class hero guy has so been sort of outdone by Wolverine. I feel like the hot headed teen. Oh, really? Yeah, I think so. See, I, I think I still, Ben Grimm is, I think I've said this before, like my favorite character in the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. I think Ben Grimm, when done right, has, brings something that no other Marvel character does apart from arguably Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is a down to earth guy, but also just a good guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, a guy who will just help you out because that's the right thing to do, and that's that's what he does. Right. I, I like I, Wolverine doesn't bring that. Wolverine brings the I'm gruff. I'll help you out. It might be the right thing to do, but I will complain. And by the way, I might kill dudes. Right. No. You know. I, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think Ben Grimm. I th- I think that if if you got rid of the Fantastic Four, which you know. Let's say it's completely possible, especially because these days in the Marvel Universe, the Fantastic Four is pretty superfluous. Yeah. You could happily cancel the Fantastic Four book and nothing about the rest of the Marvel Universe would be affected. No, not you at know, all. Whereas they were right. once Marvel's first family. These days, no, not at all. They're not. You They're not. Yeah. Um, but if it, Ben Grimm would be the one thing I think would be missing. And I think the only way to play up would be to play up that element of Luke Cage. Mm, interesting. Maybe I could see it. I personally, I personally think that what Grimm, what the thing represents, is kind of an element that is largely gone from the Marvel universe, or at least mutated into a very weird stripe. You know, like honestly, I think, I think that you've got. I don't know. I just, I think that the whole fun-loving, ever you know, blue-eyed thing uh, aspect is just kind of. Gone, I guess. I mean, you know, there's just a variety. No, I, I, I totally agree. You know? there, there, there's a lot of um, comedy and good naturedness, mm-hmm. says he, inventing a word that doesn't really exist anywhere else in the Marvel universe now. Especially when you're like, and Spider-Man is actually being possessed by his arch enemy. Yes. Do you right. know what I mean? Like, I feel like making that the status quo weirdly almost cuts off the rest of of like that element of the Marvel universe. It's yes. like, okay, take this fun. Yeah. Fuck you. Exactly. Um, exactly. We I, have yeah, Deadpool. So I, basically, is fun. You know. Yeah, what exactly. I mean? Yeah. We we have a new, we have a new comedy character, and he kills people. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and he's a psychopath. Mm-hmm. Comedy, mm-hmm. which is a completely <laughs> different thing. But but that's that's the new Marvel fun. Yeah, I think. Do you know so. what I mean? Like I really the new do. norm in in the Marvel universe for fun is Deadpool, and Deadpool is wacky because he's insane and he kills people. Right. You know, and you don't know what he's going to do next. It'll probably include, include Carnage, yes. which is a really, really different thing from the Fantastic Four, from Spider-Man. You mm-hmm. know, Spider-Man used to be fun. Yeah. And it, I'm not even meaning this in the sense of like, well, Superior Spider-Man sucks because, I mean, I'm not reading it, but, you know, you you read it and you you think it's 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 a good book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I, I'm not saying it as in like, that's a terrible thing. It's just that there is no character there who does that now. Yeah. there There is no fun character. Even Ben Grimm, has I mean, Ben Grimm used to be at the heart of the Marvel Universe when you and I were kids. Yes, exactly. You had the Fantastic Four and you had Marvel 2-in-1. Right. And it was like, Ben Grimm was the guy who was friends with everyone. Yeah, exactly. Ben Grimm was yeah. the character who knew everyone and who everyone could rely on. Yes. And part of that was the mechanics of, we need to have a new guest star every month. But it was also the interrelationships with the characters. And these days, there's no one who does that now. Yeah. There, there, yeah. there is no... That, that, that and... Uh, thing in Spider-Man used to hold those two things. They were the easygoing characters that everyone liked or even if they didn't like, had a sort of good-natured rivalry or a good-natured dislike of. Yes. Um, 
and they could pop up anywhere and they could uh, they were all purpose and you don't have that anymore yeah yeah no i i think so i think that's really changed and i think that was sort of the strongest peg that the fantastic 4 had for a long time you know it's arguably it was that and reed richards super scientist and frankly the marvel universe is filled with super scientists at this point and reed richards is probably the most problematic because he is just a walking deus ex machina now. Yeah, yeah it, it's yeah. The, it one of the problems with uh, as comic books have as comic book readers have gotten older and mm-hmm. started expecting more from their comic books. Mm-hmm. The way the comic book superhero geniuses have been written has gotten more and more problematic. Mm-hmm. And Reed Richards has super suffered from this. Yeah, because his niche has become. He'll always save the day with the new gadgets, you know, at the last moment. And but apart from that, he's possibly autistic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, he can't re- can't really pick up on emotions, but he'll always come through in a pinch. Right. And that's a really dull character. Yeah. Well, the only thing more dull is when they take out the autistic part, and he's the guy who always comes through in the pinch, and kind of loves and knows his family and they're always number one kind of thing, you know? So I feel like there's just a very different way in which, you know, all the things that the Fantastic Four originally represented in terms of like, hey, we're taking these things and spinning them on there. I, I do think, honestly, that there is a play, a niche for that version of the Fantastic Four in the first dozen issues where it's like, hey, we didn't do our taxes, right? And we've gone broke. You know, that that kind of stuff. Oh, man, you're, pi- you're pitching the Bill Jameis version. Yeah. <laughs> that, well, yeah, that's... But that that was also... there was That was that one issue of Fantastic Four, like number five or six, where they end up making the movie that's directed by the Submariner. Yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah. Which is absolutely Yeah, which is absolutely <laughs> and batshit insane. But, like, once you move into that area of... Lee and Kirby, um, you know, and depending on how you want to apportion the credit, just essentially knocking down the doors of things. They so the best thing about the Fantastic Four was they they were it was like a trailblazing universe. You know, they yeah. were the ones who yeah. discovered the humans. The Galact you know Galactus came to them. They find the Black Panther. They were sort of this. Uh, they were sort of explorers of the Marvel universe. The way that Kirby wanted to lay the stuff down. Now, yeah. the Marvel once the Marvel universe gets codified, I they have one less reason to exist. You know, so is is the way to do it then? If you want to keep them as an ongoing property, to have them leave the Marvel universe. That would be actually what I would think about doing. And Lord knows it seems like that seemed like where Fraction was going to go with it was this idea of like, oh, we're going to step outside of the regular Marvel Universe. I, w- I would do something where, yeah, I would I would strand them on like a completely different Earth, give them a whole bunch of new stuff to sort of discover, and you kind of see them, wow, really good job with the muting on that. Nice. Uh, do a really... I, I just sneezed, listeners. It was and it was yeah, great because I got to watch sneezed. it. I was yeah, like, none of you heard it, yeah. <laughs> in real time, anyway, go back. Oh, anyway, yeah, yeah. Just take them out of take them out of the Marvel universe and put them in a new universe where they're basically nobodies, and then make them sort of fight their way up. Because I think the problem is is that they are the Fantastic Four is sort of this. 
they're the paragon on top. You know what I mean? They're sort of the mm. beloved first family of Marvel and in the Marvel universe. And, you know, you get you have two options with that. You either fuck with it, which everyone I think has tried and is tired with, or you celebrate it, which I think everyone else has also tried and is tired with it. And I just feel like after this many issues... You know, I, I I honestly think either shut it down or you do something weird where they end up. It, it's basically it's almost like a, a heroes. Reborn yeah, it's or, it's heroes reborn. Yeah, it's heroes reborn, but you actually stick with it. Yeah, you stick with it, and you also don't you don't reboot reboot it. I think you make them the same characters and you put them in different situation, uh, an utterly different situation, and see what happens. You know? Yeah, because here, here's the thing: you take the same characters mm-hmm. and you stick them in. I, I mean, you know, be crazy. You stick them in even uh, you stick them in the new universe, right? Which is probably still out there somewhere, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you give it to someone like Brandon Graham mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to write. That'd be a great book. Yeah. Yeah, that that'd be a great book because mm-hmm. the characters are solid. Yeah, yeah, the characters. It's everything, I think are it's solid. everything else that's the pro- that's the problem. With them. Yeah, that's it important. seems it seems to have calcified around them. If you put them in a new situation, I mean, I would even like put them in a new situation and then figure out a way to to significantly dampen their powers and you know what I mean, or give them some sort of you know, like like they end up there and their powers are all significantly weaker, you know? And then, or, and then or let them... Their powers away. Right. Well, you know, I would, it, it, I would, you would do that. I totally... Yeah, I totally be fine with taking powers away. Mm, interesting. I'd want them to have the powers. I think, again, it's just I would want a little less of the Deus Ex Machina. I would want you know, the thing to have a little bit more of the hair temper that he used to do. Um, figure out something mm-hmm. with Johnny Storm because he's kind of the, you know, it's like, I have no power. I like hard right? <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. That's what we should do. Just put him in the Zombo universe and then everyone's oh, just, happy. Yeah, just give them to Al Ewing and see what you can do. Just be like, Al, you can do whatever you want with mm-hmm. these characters. But I, I kind of feel like that's pretty much the thing that you need to do. Because uh, otherwise, yeah, otherwise I feel like everything is calcified so quickly. And to me, that even even our idea that we're pitching here is kind of a hail mary. Oh, it's all, it's all been, do- but also it's all been done. Everything we're saying has been done. You exactly. know, it's not like we're coming up with anything. We're like, so basically, do here reborn, but do it differently. Right. You know, exactly. We're we're, yeah. we're still pitching ideas that have been done. Yeah. Something I think was really funny about the fraction thing is that so I've seen two reactions online to the fraction thing. Mm-hmm. Which is uh, basically, thank God, thank, thank God fractures off, or fuck you, inhumanity, inhumans. Like, why couldn't he, like, why couldn't he find someone else to do that and he could stay with Fantastic Four? And what I've really surprised that I've not seen is anyone going, of course he didn't leave. Sorry, the, the third reaction is he got fired. Lots of people are saying that he got fired by Marvel. Um, I've not seen anyone do what seemed really obvious to me, which is of course he's not leaving because of inhumanity or inhumans. He's leaving because he's got like four fucking image books happening. Mm. Like he genuinely is overcommitted. He he probably has asked to leave, but it's got nothing to do with doing another Marvel book. That could be. That could be. I guess the, the I hadn't realized that he's that high. I mean, he's got, well, in theory, Casanova's one. Uh, there's okay, so he's got Sam Casanova and Sex Satellite Criminals. Satellite Sam, Sex Criminals, and the, the new Odyssey one, whatever it's called. 
Oh, right. He's doing the Odyssey one that's... Right, right, right. I can't remember. I really can't remember what it's called. <laughs> I can't... I, I, If you hadn't mentioned the pitch, I wouldn't have been able to remember it. Yeah, so he's, he's got four image books. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which I think are all ongoing? Maybe? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, Casanova, God knows what's happening with Casanova. Even, it might not even be an image book. It might be a, a, an icon book still. Oh, right. Um, but yeah, I mean, Sex Criminals and Satellite Sam are both ongoing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think the Odyssey one is probably not going to be a short-term gig. So, I mean, it's not that just seemed odd to me. I mean, obviously, Tom Brevoort is not going to be like, so he's working for books for himself, <laughs> and he decided fuck the Fantastic Four. Well, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see where it is. It's kind of funny because when I I heard about it, my reaction was kind of. Uh, I thought the JMS, because it looks so similar to the JMS reaction of like, oh, no, 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 we're just pulling JMS because Earth One, you know, Superman Earth One sold so well. Exactly. We're putting him straight to work at Earth Two. JMS can't handle two things at once in his brain. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know? And so there is that kind of element of like, oh, you know, it, it seemed like everyone was working hard to save face, I guess, in a way that... You can't. I don't know. I, I the, the, what, naturally. Did, did you, did you think he'd been fired? Not fired. Not fired. But maybe they were kind of like, you know what? This you're not. This, this isn't a good fit. Essentially, you know, kind yeah, of like the sales are tanking in this book. Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of a sign of like we need to change something up here. So you know, I think that that's. And honestly, again, um, I think that's not a, a bad idea. Did you see Ed Brubaker the other day on Twitter asking people sort of like why they care what the sale, sales of a comic yes, is? Yes, yes. Yeah, I, I thought did. that was yeah. kind of a really – I don't want to say fascinating. It, it was kind of uh, – what little hair I had was sort of torn – I was tearing out because I sort of both wanted to participate and was dreading participating in that conversation. Oh, tell why. Tell me why. I just didn't – I just don't think that – I think that my end of things would have been incredibly uh, – would have been very hard to articulate in, in Twitter. Uh, the closest that came was there was one guy who who Brubaker retweeted who was like, you know, I follow the sales – you know, for the same reason that I watch all the special features on my DVD. I'm interested yeah, because I, I'm interested. I, and I think, I think that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think that's, I, that's it. Exactly. So I think that that's the, to me is, is that there is like all forms of media have a sort of tiered viewership. You know, there's your basic viewership and then there's sort of, I, I, and it, it's not like one's basic and one's advanced, but one requires a certain more um, a, a level of engagement, and the other one has has further engagement. It's people who want to know more and feel more engaged with what's happening. Exactly, and whether that's listening to the Nerdist podcast for writers' rooms or reading the walkthroughs on AV Club, listening to the commentaries, and frankly, tracking the sales of movies, of comics, of TV, and the ratings. It's, yeah. it, you know, it is, that's a, that's a significant aspect that, that I think cuts across all the entertainment now, including, including comics. You know? mm-hmm. it's, so. it, but it, it's, it's interesting because, I mean, I don't think this is anything new. I think people, I mean, how long has Variety been running the box office of movies? A long time, but how long has it been since Variety moved from being just a... Uh, 
an internal trade, a trade paper, yeah, yeah. For, for Hollywood and expanded outwards to having being read by people beyond that. You know well, but I mean? here's the thing: has variety not always been available to interested parties who were willing to go through the trouble of picking it up? Well, they were. is it not? Is it not that the, the information has become more available, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that that in itself has brought on a boom of people thinking, "I'm plugged in." Right. As opposed to, at some point, you know, one day everyone woke up and they wondered what the take on their on Pacific Rim was. Do you right. know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think it's, I think it's one of those things that as the information has become more easily available, yes. more people have decided they're interested. Yeah. Well, there's that too. There is that too. I suspect that you're absolutely right. That as, as media got its own reporters and critics and coverage in like the 60s and 70s I, I, and started covering that stuff. You know, people were interested before, and those markets have continued to grow as far as interest. But also, as as so as that sort of thing has become more available, as those reporters started to appear, I think there's also an audience of people who are like, "Well, why is this getting its own reporter? Why is this? Why are people talking about this?" And they start paying attention more. Right, right. I know. It's, I, today on Twitter, I was having a, a a discussion. Is a good way of putting it because I don't think anyone is actually arguing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking to Steve Morris and Brett White about the sales in Captain Marvel because it seems that Captain Marvel is getting cancelled and probably relaunched. Right. Um, and I was making the point that I'm not surprised because Captain Marvel's sales have been in the toilet. Mm-hmm. They, have, they have been really, really bad for some time. Mm-hmm. And they have been at cancellation point for some time. And it's not surprising that Marvel are deciding that they need to do something and relaunching is probably the best thing they can do at this point. Yeah. Um, and Brett White was essentially going, well, that's, that just proves the direct market is broken and we should start over with the direct market. And I don't think that's true at all. <laughs> right. His, his argument is essentially, every time I go to conventions, every time I look on Tumblr, I see people who are getting into comics because of Captain Marvel. Therefore, the fact that Captain Marvel is not succeeding in the direct market shows that the direct market is broken. Yeah. And I feel that there's a... I feel that there's a, a a leap being made there. Yeah, there is. That that is not necessarily there. Yeah, yeah. the The sad fact of the matter is, um, you know, it's something that that Hibbs has said a few times, uh, and I think for the most part it bears out. And I think you've you've encountered the same thing and probably said the same thing, which is that the as much as we'd like to feel otherwise, the internet doesn't really matter for comics. I mean, it can move like a little pebble a short way. Yeah, it, it, can, it can move a needle a very small amount of time. But I mean, if you go by what is successful and not successful on the internet, you know, both Marvel and DC should be out of business. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, so there are those people who say that they're getting involved, but those numbers are, are really still very, very small. Unfortunately, yeah. I mean, the, the other the other thing is this: Captain Marvel could have literally like its entire audience could be made up of the Carol core, and the traditional comic book buyer has entirely abandoned the series. Right. Well, and that and that's quite possible too, because there is. I mean, based on the sales. I mean, so that's that's the other thing. I, I you know the direct market is messy, and there's a lot of messy things about the system. I mean, you know. But I also feel that, and unfortunately, it is still far more prey to, you know, rampant speculation. But I, 
I do think that there is still the possibility for those numbers. I mean, certainly looking at something like Hawkeye, for example, seems to me like a book that has, um, you know, moved. Although, interestingly enough, if I'm reading the reaction right correctly, what happened were a lot of retailers took a chance on the, the you know, the charity issue, the charity issue, and then they yeah. sold the copies. And that really, that really honestly did jumpstart things. They realized yeah. they could Wait, sell which is, issues. Which, oh, well, two things to that. One, yes. Mm-hmm. But two, again, Hawkeye is not selling really dramatically well. It's selling better than it did. It's had a bump. Yeah. But well, you also wouldn't call it a direct market hit. No, but you it, would. It, it's, you, one, it's moved into a it's, solid yeah. B-list book, though, I think. Wouldn't you say? I'm like, maybe. I don't know. I, I'm going to, I'm you going to check look those at the numbers. numbers. I think those I numbers are around 35,000 or something. Yeah, I remembered it as being like a third-tier Marvel book, but maybe it is a second-tier Marvel book. Yeah, I'm. I'm. You know, maybe I'm completely mistaken, but I, for me, first tier is sixty to you know fifty to seventy thousand. Like second tier is like forty to thirty thousand. Third tier is thirty thousand to twenty thousand, and then everything below that's like look, third, even down to twenty three thousand, and then below that is like moving into cancellations. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or as I call it. That bit where I like lots and lots of stuff. <laughs> exactly. Well, exactly. And I mean, I think that's the that's the part that's ironic is there's a lot of us that that do. In fact, you know, it's kind of funny. Um, thanks to Hawkeye. Hawkeye's at forty thousand. Yeah, forty thousand. Right. I mean, that's... which which is pretty great. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So to me, that's pretty significant, especially considering you've got Uncanny regularly selling. What, in in the sixties, right? Isn't it like low sixty thousand? Mid sixty thousand. Uncanny is at Uncanny Avengers. Uncanny X Men is at seventy thousand right now. Oh wow! Okay, seventy three thousand. Right, that's pretty good for them. Excellent. Well, I mean, here's the thing: if you look at the chart, so I'm looking at the June chart here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Age of Ultron is at hundred ten. Mm-hmm. Superior Spider Man's at eighty two. Right. Uh, all new Spider-Man's at 77. Mm-hmm. Kick-Ass 3 is at 78. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy is at 71. Avengers is at 74. And then Uncanny is at 73. How does that work out? How does that end up lower in the charts? That makes no sense. What's lower in the charts? Okay. Uncanny at Never 73? Mind. Yeah, work yeah I, was mis- I was misreading. Never oh, mind. Okay. okay. Uh, and then you have X-Men at 73. Uncanny... Avengers at seventy one. Hmm. So I don't. I mean, I would. There's actually more the over the seventy thousand yeah, the than there was a year yeah. ago. Yeah, definitely. The difference between seventy and forty for me, I still think I'd put a, a Hawkeye at, at third tier, if or maybe like at the cusp of third tier and second tier. You know, okay, all right. I my personal. Well, I'm, I'm then looking is... like uh, New Avengers is sixty. Mm-hmm. Savage Wolverine's fifty nine. Right. Thanos Rising is fifty eight. Deadpool's forty eight. Indestructible Hulk is 49, hmm. Thor 49, Wolverine 46, Iron Man 44. Okay, so yeah, it looks like what I think of as the second tier is has definitely bumped up by 10 to 15,000. And the, the what I used to think of as the upper tier of Marvel books, which seemed to be before the Marvel Now reboot, was you know topping out around 60,000, has clearly jumped up. Twenty or thirty thousand units. So, 
But again, it's drifting back down. So we'll see. Mm -hmm. We'll we'll see, and that is it. There's part of me that's sort of perhaps... Perhaps too cynically, I, I have the assumption that those those numbers are aren't going are artificial, you know. But I don't yeah. think. Yeah, well, it's so weird looking at this chart and thinking, mm-hmm. you know, before Marvel now, Wolverine the X Men was like one of the top books, mm-hmm. and now it's, it's like solidly mid level. Right, right. You know, and and its sales haven't significantly dropped. It's everything around it has gone crazy. Right, right, has heated up. So, although when like when I don't know, I'm just looking at the chart now and I hadn't really looked at it for a while. Mm-hmm. It's some of the numbers are insane. Like Nova dropped like a stone. Well, yeah, which is kind of shocking to me because it really started high. I mean, you know, someone gave me the the code for the first issue and I read it and I was like, you know, it was goofy enough. I I didn't think that it would drop. I kind of I have no idea why it dropped that quickly. Did Ed McGinnis was he just off by like no no, no. he's still on. It, it's Ed McGinnis and, and uh, so Ed McGinnis and Jeff Loeb were the team through issue five, mm-hmm. and it goes eighty thousand for issue one, forty six thousand for issue two, a forty two percent drop on the second issue, which wow. is insane. Mm-hmm. Then forty thousand, thirty thousand, thirty six thousand. Mm-hmm. So I mean, think of that in the space of five issues. Right. It dropped more than half its. Its audience for the first one. Wow, that's well, crazy. Well, it or really because I mean it isn't. isn't. I yeah. mean, I guess the first issue was like massively over ordered, but I don't well, know. See, it's that's just... it. There might have been an incentive on it, and there might have been a lot of people were like Nova is they 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 had a lot of expectations of speculation, you know, or there might have been a, yeah. uh, some sort of incentive on it, so or both. So it sounds to me like if you get that heavy a cut in it. Because you usually see that heavy a cut on stuff where, you know, like something like the Uncanny Avengers, where like this, the initiatives uh, were so... Were crazy. Yeah, yeah. the incentives were so crazy on it, so... Um, Actually, now, now I'm curious, for Guardians of the Galaxy, mm-hmm. yeah, the, the drop between Guardians of the Galaxy first issue and second issue is craziness. Yeah. From 217,000 for issue one. Oh my god. Oh to 88,000 for issue two. That's a 59.5% drop. Yeah. See, and I mean, again, that sort of, I don't know, you know, it used to be the rule of thumb was back in the, back in the old days was, you know, the sales for the second issue dropped by 50% or so anyway, which is why you had Spider-Man come in and team up with someone to try and like fight those fight those that sales drop but i don't know you know so uh marvel so and where's fantastic four and all this kind of way down the line right it's way down the line mm-hmm. Hang on. fantastic uh it is at um thirty-seven thousand. Mm. so that's under hawkeye wow yeah see and i mean that's kind of brutal so yeah they can uh yeah I mean, when you're underperforming Thor, but I it's—I mean, if you—but th- if you think about it, it's all relative mm-hmm. because Fantastic Four is still outselling Daredevil. <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. you think of Daredevil, you think it's a hit. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's—I mean, it's—it's—it's—it's outselling by uh, two thousand, by two thousand copies. Right. Well, my my yeah. following those charts for so long, my definition of a hit is something that's very different from what other people because for me it's all about the attrition and if you get a, if you can get a book that's 30 that's in the mid 30 thousands but is not losing any readers like that well I mean that that's that's where X Factor has been for years right that it's been like 
23,000 or something, but just been remarkably stable for 23,000 for yeah. the longest time. Exactly. Um, whereas, like, I, I'm looking at Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel's at 19,000. Yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. up. Mm-hmm. Right, that's 19,000, <laughs> that's up. 17,000. Yeah. Yeah, so. you know, I mean, that's just, it's no surprise that they're relaunching it. Actually, the surprise is that they're relaunching it. Yeah, I think it, but I they think kind that's of have to. relief. They, they kind of have to. Oh, because Captain Marvel's a fla- their flagship character from the name, you mean, or? Uh, because, is it not the only solo female book that they have going on these days? And also, it's it's like the amount, of the, it's just one of those cases where I think that Brett was actually right. The amount of social media and internet buzz around the book. Yes. That I think it would be weirdly bad if they just let it be cancelled. I think when you have that vocal of fan base and you just let it die. Right. Even with that that type of sales number. I think that says <laughs> that <you're> something <laughs> <laughs> No, but really it says, it says something about not caring about your fan base. Yeah. No, I agree, and I you think I think, I, I, I think they're they kind of trapped that they have to do. It. Well, and I, I have think... no idea what they can do to goose the numbers. I mean, you know, honestly, you have a big name artist. What do you do? Because you can't replace Kelly Sue either. No, Kelly no. Sue is married to that book in yes. the fans' mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. And I think I think everyone thinks of her as a huge asset for that book. It, it seems to me, as I recall, a lot of people walked away from the first book and the the art wasn't a very strong match as I recall the first oh, yeah, artist yeah. was yeah. a mismatch so I think they're hoping they find someone that is you know a stronger match then maybe they figure out it depends on how much they want to care about this stuff you know what I mean because it's the idea of like okay we are going to put you know we're giving it like a, a you know, a significant offshoot of the infinity line is going to be running right through it. You know, that, you know what I mean? Like there's ways of, I feel like Marvel's way of realizing that things to make things sell at Marvel, it's the, will this matters, you know? And, Mm, and, and it's kind of that weird cyclical thing of like, it matters because we say it matters because we're putting our A-list talent on it. So therefore it matters you know, and it's so uh, okay. So, so here's a uh, not even a counter argument, but just mm-hmm. something to to throw in here. Is that not? Is the the absence of that not entirely the selling point of Hawkeye? Oh, it is. Yeah, it's yeah. Hawkeye's selling point, not that it doesn't matter, and then it it is the entry point for people because it doesn't like you're not going to get a Hawkeye Infinity tie-in, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you know, absolutely. is is that not is that not the plus that Hawkeye is the book that you can pick up and you're like, oh. I get it. It's a dude. He has a dog. Well, it's a couple of pluses. The art is phenomenal, as we've talked about. Sure, sure. The stories tend to be done in ones, uh, and it is not tied to the universe. So the last two are things that are traditionally what Marvel's been very insistent does not sell in their universe and that their books Mm -hmm. won't sell. And Hawkeye is actually a really great... um, corrective to that but it at a very small level so to me it's like in order to duplicate that i think you have to have uh you've got to have a great artist for it and you've got to have a direction that sort of suits that that suits that new reader entry you know for myself i don't know i would really um i would figure out the female fan that well the fandom that is springing up over captain marvel 
try and figure out what they're responding to, um, what they want to see, and tailor it to them, you know, and then try to exceed their expectations. So they get excited and bring more people in and that it continues to roll. Well, in that case, do you not have to... uh, Do you not have to be ready for it to lose money for some time in order for that to happen? Because that's not an immediate process. Well, it's not an immediate process. Because I, I mean, I could be, I could be one hundred percent wrong. Right. But I would, I would lay money at this point that what the new readers of Captain Marvel who are responding to the book are responding to are, it's not what the direct market has been trained to respond to. Yes. And so, in order to appeal to those new readers, Mm -hmm. you will have to almost write off the direct market hardcore until such a point where the new readers are enough of a sales force. Uh, yes. Yeah, I think I think that's I think that's true. Um I think that's actually a good point, but I think that the the traditionally the way that they would override that again is putting in an element that puts it front and center of you know of the Marvel universe, like in some way. And if that's like tying it in super closely to infinity so that the infinity nuts have to go and buy it and try it and then hopefully end up liking it. Or there's Mm -hmm. some other aspect there to, to, to create that. Yeah. I'm just, I feel that so much now of all these rules Mm -hmm. have been disproven in recent years. Mm -hmm. Because for example, you're saying this and I'm like, well, what about the defenders? Right. Which theoretically spun out of uh, fear itself and was dealing with the, like there is this creature still wandering around who is left over from fear itself, and we have to deal with it. And then try to sell, set itself up as this is the hidden secret of the Marvel universe. This not only counts; this is the most countiest book in the world. Sure, and died within twelve issues. Well, I think they executed that unbelievably poorly. It would be one thing if they had had the well. First off, the if fear itself had the heat, it had its its post. Heat split into because there was the their their other fear itself spinoffs. Oh yeah, there there were there was battle scars at the fearless. <laughs> well, and the, so there was the fearless, right? So you've got the fearless, and the fearless is basically trying to pull a brightest day number with that stuff. Yeah, you know, and then fractions whole like hibbledy goo. I'm like jumping out of fear itself was weird and fake and wrong and then he was like oh but this is the most importantest thing ever let me show you but first let's have Doc Strange lay a chick you know and I think that that's really where things went dramatically wrong because it was he was kind of like oh no this is going to be the biggest most <sighs> I'm sorry I just died this is going to be the most amazing fucking <laughs> uh, so anyway so there's this amazing Doc Strange crossword story I've been working on forever. You know what I mean? And so it presented itself to be one thing and very clearly was not. And I think, honestly, if you look at those numbers, I think the people who walked into Defenders were like, okay, I will give it this shot based on it being this thing. And then when it wasn't, they were like, okay, we're not sticking around. You know, like you, you do, you can't just, you can't just make the mouth noises. You really do. Have so you're, you're saying you have to commit to the bit. But, I think you but really okay, do. so so getting back to what you're saying, if Captain Marvel commits to the bit and has become central to the Marvel universe, is right. there a way to do that and retain the individuality that is what is appealing to other people? Well, that's that's the. Are, thing. are they not like entirely in opposition to each other? I don't know. 
I don't I don't honestly know. I sort of assumed um I sort of assumed that the people who are getting into in Captain Marvel are a lot like the female readership of a lot of DC. Like at, at least to to the DC female DC fans that I follow on Twitter or that I see interacting on the internet there's no in you know and it's not in opposition to DC they want to see those characters in the DC universe and they know they're they know they're DCU you know they're just frustrated mm-hmm. at the level to which their characters aren't being integrated into it at all so my personal thing is is i feel that i don't think you can make captain marvel into a hawkeye you know i don't think that the character would lend itself very well to done in one stories that don't take place that take place on the outskirts of the universe i think oh no i i think the very nature of the character you have to have big bold superhero stories exactly and so i think big bold superhero stories you know it used to be that the marvel cosmic fans were an underserved branch of the marvel universe who were very very faithful for a long time to cosmic books, especially as they continue to follow on the, uh, the sure. Annihilation stuff. I think it's possible to assemble those bits. I think what you need to do is you very you need to very conscientiously assemble them, and you need to assemble them with a with an eye toward the bigger pieces. I mean, you know, so it's like the Thanos imperative or whatever the Thanos stuff that's going on that's selling well, that's Jason Aaron. Wacker's editing that, right? Isn't that, I assume that was his... I, I, I think it's called Thanos Rising, I've just looked up. I, I think Wacker's editing all the cosmic stuff these days. Okay, so to me, I, I'm kind of like, it seems like you've got a strong possibility, because he was also doing Captain Marvel, right? He is indeed, yeah. So, you know, he, he, it's well positioned, I think, to set something up to, to tie that in, you know, work closely enough with how that's developing to, to get something mm-hmm. that, that's very organically sewn into the nature of the reboot and then just just go for it, you know. Uh, but the other thing that they have to do is they also have to, to get a very good artist and they cannot I, – I feel, and I could be wrong on this, you cannot have – you've got to have an artist who's going to be in there for, for more than four or five issues, you know. I, I, that that doesn't happen at Marvel these days. <laughs> what? Well, I mean, and even that, that's uh, that's a completely cheap shot. It does. It's, yeah. uh, for some reason, it feels like the big launches are getting their artists replaced sooner and sooner. Yes, because they're I like, think... we have massively big name, and you can almost guarantee they'll be gone by issue four. Exactly, exactly. And I think what they really need is they need somebody who, again, like David Aja is, and like it's not like that guy's talent grows on trees. But eat him or someone like Chris Samney, you know, who's like in very solid, stable workhorse that, you know, that whose work can really, you know, bring everything up to the next level, you know, and I don't, I think they're going to need that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I'm very surprised that Marvel is swapping out its artists so much these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, like seeing that Daniel Lacuna has gone from Uncanny Avengers is kind of surprising to me, right? Because because there doesn't seem any need to replace him, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like when you see artists who seem to be able to put out like say ten issues a year, right? I feel that it's it's almost uh, destructive 
to to just swap them out willy nilly after every storyline. Well, I'm not paying you know? attention, but I'm assuming the 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 problem is is ten issues a year is closer to half of an output for a Marvel. Yeah, comic. that's true. It's and, true. Yeah, and that so I think that's the thing is is that they work these guys. They have them do four issues or even six issues if they can maintain it, but they make them do it in half the time, and then they rotate them out to, if nothing else, just give them a breather and let them recover. But I guess I guess what I'm saying is I'm surprised they don't rotate back in. Well, well that you is know, true. like like all, like all new X Men, I think is a great example because you've got yeah, Stuart Eminem and other people, but Eminem comes back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's some consistency, right? Whereas Uncanny Avengers is gone. Cassidy, Akuna, uh, Steve McNiven. Yeah. And there's no visual continuity between those guys at all. No, there's not. There's not. But, you know, I think they're still hoping to find it because, you know, there is uh, one of the things that's worked well for Hawkeye is getting artists that rotate in that have enough of a similar visual sense that even if it's not quite at the same level, you still have enough of a feeling of you're reading the same book. And I think that that... Oh, I, I think that worked really well on Daredevil as well. Yes. I think in Daredevil's favor. Mm-hmm. You, have, you had very different artists for the first year or so. Yeah. I mean, now that Samney's doing it, Samney's basically like, it's my book, motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> like, he disappeared once because he had a kid, which is, you know, kind of amazing. Yeah. But, um... But even up before somebody, when you had Paolo Rivera and Marcos Martin, mm-hmm. uh, and you had someone else, I, there was someone else before Somni. Uh, uh, yeah, I want to say Kano. No, was it Kano? Yeah, I think yeah. Kano, I think mm-hmm. Kano was there. Yeah, um, but there was enough of a continuity. They didn't, you know, they didn't have exactly the same style. No, but there was enough of a continuity that you're like, okay, this is what this book looks like. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But I, I think, I mean, you know, uh, Indestructible Hulk launched with Lunil Yu. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then cycle through Walt Simonson. Yes. And then I can't remember the name of the artist who's doing it now, who is amazing, and I totally can't remember his name. But um, uh, yeah. You, but again, there's no there's no visual continuity. They're all very different artists. Well, and they offer very different sh- things. You know, interestingly enough, I can because okay, so here's the thing. I uh, I um, gosh, am I going to find it? I want to say someone gave you a freebie of the new Hulk issue, right? Uh, dude, I believe it was Max Brown. Is it Max? Because he gave me where is it? Damn it! Um, he gave me actually like six issues of the Indestructible Hulk. Like oh, man. six through so eleven. So is that all of the? So that's all of the Simonson run as well, right? Exactly. So it's like Simonson and the new guy. Uh, and then to the Agent of Time reboot. And um, in a sort of week late point counterpoint sort of thing, I have to say, like, I'm pretty sure the problem's weighed now. Uh, having read, like, six issues of it, five issues of it at, at, at a go, I think that, mm-hmm. I think that, first off... You still off, think the problem's weighed? Oh, weighed? yeah. You, yeah, don't yeah, think yeah. It, you don't think it got better with Agent of Time? No, actually, I don't. I would have to. I would have to reread it. But part of me was kind of, well, okay. The 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 one thing that really helps with Agent of Time is, on the one hand, they fix Wade's problem that he baked into the original idea, which is that uh, how do I put it? Like he he had the he just wasn't thinking big enough at all for indestructible hulk you know in the sense of like here's hulk he's like an agent of shield he's like the shield you know shields like um you know uh emergency relief pitcher basically that they pull in whenever they need him 
But like when you read those Hulk issues, like a lot of times they're like, okay, we got guys on a boat who have a dangerous weapon. You know what I mean? It's like you bring in the Hulk in for that. We've we we've got to go and get something, and you're like anyone could do it with a fucking suit of armor. The fucking Agent of Time thing starts off with like the Hulk like jumping onto a jet. You know what I mean? And I'm just like. That you don't you need the Hulk to stop a plane? Like what happened to fucking Shield, man? Those guys have totally wussed out in such a big way. And there's this other thing. Oh, there's a plot right there. You know what the, happened to Shield? What happened to Shield? That would be great, actually. Where they're just totally like, you know, now that there's more accountability. It is so important they, that we they can't do anything. Yeah, we can't injure our agents in the field at all because our disability claims are through the roof. So can, can anytime, I have the flying car? no, you can't have the flying car. You no. may crash it. No, 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 no. no, no. Exactly. Take you a have box. a bicycle. You have a bicycle. It does not fly. There, it's a non-flying bicycle, but it has a special supersonic belt. You can't use the belt. You know, that would be, but no. So they have him like, and there's that point where Hulk actually like stops like a plane that comes out of nowhere. I don't know if you remember that, but that's kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, it's, it's the artist really does everything in their power to make that seem awesome. But I'm just like, that's not, that's not that, you know what I mean? That's just not a Hulk sized threat. Like there's nothing especially sized in while I completely agree mm-hmm. you also have to bear in mind that that is meant to be like uh here the hulk killing time thing i agree it, i agree with your larger point yeah that that Wade did not come up with enough stories that actually needed the hulk yes uh but i think that that example is cuz it's meant to be like what the hulk did you don't think you no, don't think that that because, example no, is meant be- to be like because when you go back, Graham, at the end of the issue, he's like, oh, here I am being torn through time. And where does he end up? Like fucking cowboys and dinosaurs. You know what I mean? Well, like, of course he ends up with, but that's, of course he ends up with cowboys and dinosaurs. It's a it's, fucking it's Larry Lieber comic. script. It's Larry Lieber. I mean, that's not, like, dude, I, I want to see, I have, like. I have no problem. I have no problem with cowboys and dinosaurs. Nah, no. no cowboys and dinosaurs. I was like, it's, it's cute, but it's retro, but it's not. I don't like, that's just, that's is just not that there's nothing impressive about that at all it's like you've seen hulk beat up dinosaurs you see hulk be disinterested in cowboys wade is going to okay graham why are you doing the macarena what are you doing here why oh great he's on mute so i can even keep, like, further keep talking story. keep talking okay Dad. all right keep talking. so i you know it's just it, that was i was kind of like i was underwhelmed like if if they're because they totally spent he spends eight pages or something of like the mysterious chronarchist uh what's his name the tomorrow man or whoever going like oh you don't know they're messing with time they're messing with your time they've messed with time now and wade just doesn't have the imagination for it you know what i mean oh no see i i i totally disagree i i think that i think that that part worked for me and was the, the was what I wanted from the book. I have no problem with what you have the problem with. I agree with your point that before he wasn't giving the Hulk he didn't come out with Hulk sized threats, but I think that the time thing totally works. Dude, if you say so. <laughs> you just totally disagree. I, love I just, totally you disagree. Like uh, seriously. You, my face you just give me a look. That was my favorite part. <laughs> Well, okay. It's a lot like the thing with. It's a lot like what we were talking about with the Fantastic Four. I honestly think that in the same way that the Fantastic Four has 
sort of plateaued and there's no way to sort of get above and beyond that like what wade's talking about is perfectly susceptible is perfectly acceptable for an incredible hulk comic from 1970 something you know and it's but it's really not if you're gonna open with like seriously i don't know what i wanted to see like the celestial dry humping like a volcano and like (laughs) horrible celestial baby seeds popping out all over and punching holes in the world i don't i don't know i don't know what i want i want to see an entire planet of devil dinosaurs with like little fucking tiny guns like forcing the human beings to like build the mayan pyramids and when you fucking get mark wade in there how how, how do you know first of all how do you know that that's not gonna happen and secondly i feel that you're almost saying that your problem is that it's not going far enough for you and that makes me think is the problem not you in that case uh sure the problem is me but okay so here's the thing there's other things that I think that Wade gets incredibly wrong. Uh, and, and this could just be me. First off, I'm hoping, like, all of his issues had that horrible, like, transformation panel that was just wasn't working. You know what I mean? Where he's always like, oh, I always hate it when she punches me in the face. You know, and they do that, like, weird, like, it was bad. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, he, he overplays that a lot. He, he overplays the, he's transforming. Let's have his caption go scrawly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, the thing is is that they are trying to do a Hulk in uh, a Hulk that is a post Avengers movie Hulk, which makes sense, except nobody can quite figure out why that version works so well. Like, there's a little bit of an idea of why it works so well, but not really. You know, are you are you moving? Can you see me? You're still oh, okay. Good, good. I'm okay. still here. I'm, st- right. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm, you I'm were listening. so still for a second. It was that. <laughs> so uh, no, so I think so. There's so one of the thing. The other thing that I think is a crucial thing to miss is that there's no Hulk banner opposition to each other, I guess, is the other thing. This is like, I always feel that that's one of the things where the Hulk really starts kicking a little bit better is when the Hulk and Banner are working at cross-purposes, I suppose. And that is just something that, that, that Wade was not interested in. His, his interest, which was... So his interest leading into the first 11 issues, and he'll probably still keep them, maybe, maybe not, was like, oh, here's Banner's research team, and each of them has a secret that Banner is going to help them with, which is is kind of a cool idea. Except again, there's the, I felt like those dudes were so entirely interchangeable. I mean, admittedly, yes, I picked yes. His his team is very generic, and he doesn't do enough with their secrets. Yeah, not at all. Like like you'd you'd want there to be something, yeah. and there isn't. There's not. There's not. So. So that's the thing. I feel like Wade is stuck in this situation where he knows that the Hulk has to be higher stakes, but he's trying to write a lower stakes book. And, like, it came at a perfect time for Daredevil. Like, Daredevil really needed that reversal, and it worked so well. And then when he started reintroducing stuff that was scary or creepy, the stakes were in there, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't feel like he's managed to map that out with the Hulk, and I just kind of feel like the whole, like, oh, let's change up the status quo 
is will maybe hide things for a little bit, but not if he's going to be like, okay, and then in the next issue, we find out that Genghis Khan, because he has a superior tax accountant, was able to easily conquer most of the problems that were dealing with tariffs and wages, you know, in that century, you know, and I just don't think that that's going to, that's going to serve as well. I just don't. Oh, Jeff, I feel you should be writing. You should, Marvel Comics, just hire Jeff. <laughs> after, after the ideas he's thrown into this podcast alone, seriously, Steve Walker, because I know you've listened to this podcast. Oh, God, I hope Just give Jeff a job. Yeah, right. Can you imagine? That would be the most, like, oh, hey, great news, Jeff. Those six issues that you wrote out that we had you do on deadline, they were awesome. That's why we're never publishing them, and you're fired. You know, so I, I uh, totally. <laughs> Jeff, it's like you've lived my week. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's we... right, everyone. It's a callback to. The it, it is. Like, it is. It, it is incandescent rage callback. Should we talk about? Uh, uh, should we talk about comics that we have read, other than comic books? Sure. That we are... why, why do you tell me that what you've read? I, okay, and I will look at the pile next to me and see what I've read. Hey, I, in fact, I, can I start with a question? Please, or even did somebody books. give you infinity? No, they did not. I'm kind of surprised. I I kind of assumed someone or many people would have offered you infinity. Well, you know, it's kind of interesting. I had a few people. Well, okay, I think the whatnots that have been super helpful. A lot of them bless their hearts. Uh, I've got the no, guys. You don't like Jonathan Hickman? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, they exactly. They know I don't like Jonathan Hickman. I think that a lot of them pick up stuff and then send me the codes a few weeks later when they when they think mm-hmm. of it or sometimes they pick up stuff like on sale and in fact I got an amazing package of actual hardcover books from uh, Tim Riffenberg that are astonishing like just incredibly generous and in fact I'm looking to see if I can find the pile but let's just say I've got a lot of Avengers Academy to read in my future oh man I I think you'll love it. I really liked Avengers Academy. I, yeah. I read it after the fact as well. I read it all from the library, but I, I thought it was a really strong series. Yeah, so uh, so I'm really curious to check that out. And he sent along a Judge Anderson trade paperback. Like, really, honestly, it was, like, just the, the best. Um, so, yeah, Tim, that, you are a good man. Isn't he? He is. That's... Tim Riffen, and then Max uh, Max Brown uh, sent me along those Hulk issues, which I read, uh, and issue ten of A plus X, which has an Adam Warren Scarlet Witch Domino team up. Did you read that issue? No, but I've heard many people talking about it. What did you think, as the Adam Warren fan of this relationship? As the Adam Warren fan of this relationship, I was like, give. Give Adam Warren more books. You know what I mean? Because he that that story was um, how do I put it? Like so so A plus X are you know eight page stories, ten page stories. The sure. first one, which was done by uh, what's his name, the Hawaiian Dick guy, and I don't remember who the art team Claymore. was. B Claymore with the Black Widow and. Uh, Phantom X was kind of bad. I mean, it wasn't necessarily bad, but it was so it was so entirely what when Marvel Comics are just like, okay, well, write to fill ten pages. I can do this. Here's a threat. Yeah. Here's a character. There's not going to be any characterization. There's some punching. There's half an idea, more punching, and done. You know. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, by contrast, Adam Warren's thing is totally a idea of like, okay, here's two characters whose abilities relate to uh, altering reality, and they are dealing with a celestial like seed destroyer uh, thing that purges planets that itself also uses reality manipulation. How do you have those two characters like put them in the middle of the situation? How do they resolve it? And it, and it just it just was so jammed with ideas, you know, because of the you know what happens is Domino is trying to break in, and there's various probability you know a probability minefield that she literally has to run through and then at a certain point she's able through her luck powers remanifesting themselves she's able to see all the different versions of herself that have taken the wrong turns and died or destroyed so it basically becomes a sequence of um them being able to see the alternate realities as they play out and figure out how to beat this situation and that's an incredible fuck ton of stuff to jam into just eight to ten pages. And it was pretty great. I have to say, I, I ended up, it's just so filled with thinky stuff that um, yeah. I, th- I thought it was really strong. Warren's interesting in that his work is growing more stylized to me, which is kind of crazy. So, I mean, it's sort of like the characters have, like, are getting almost keen eye painting size saucer eyes yeah. um and i oh he drew it as well i thought he just wrote it no he wrote and drew it and it 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 both looks great and also has that sort of the same way that i'm sort of minorly skeeved out that everyone in empowered looks like they are related to the puppets from dark crystal you know, there's sort of <laughs> so there's something really similar there that kind of makes me anxious. Oh, man. So <laughs> that is a wonderful way of putting it. So so anyway, so I ended up actually enjoying it, but that that was about as recent as the books that. Oh, and then my usual regular source, the the uh, delightful and wonderful Martin Gray, actually passed on some X books from last week, and was tempted to make noises of passing on stuff this week. I think there's a lot of people, <laughs> certainly he was one where at one point I was like, I'm reading these books because I feel I have to because people keep sending them to yeah, me. I, yeah, I, you scared people off. I think I did. I think I did. And I sort of can't blame them because, I mean, who wants to take the time to type a code and be rewarded with me going like, thanks for sending Why me the comics. Why do people send me stuff? <laughs> you dicks. Yeah, so um, that's on me, people. But Graham, if you have Infinity and would love to pass along a code, I, I certainly wouldn't kick it out of bed for eating crackers. Sadly, I bought it digitally, so I don't have a code. Wah. Wah. Wah, wah, wah. So what do you think? I, um, I think it's a Jonathan Hickman comic. Oh. Uh, I th- it's honestly what I think is it's fine. It's one of those things that if you like that sort of thing, it's very well done. Right. If you if you find Jonathan Eggman a very uh, impersonal and overly clinical writer, mm-hmm. I think you'll have problems with it the same way I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I simultaneously appreciated the fact that it didn't spoon-feed the reader and also felt that it didn't give nearly enough introduction mm. uh, to the reader. If you're not reading his Avengers, mm-hmm. uh, you might be legitimately lost by some of this book. Really? Uh, well, part of the part of the problem is that so the plot is essentially 
while Thanos is planning something which is not explained and is clearly not explained in the I will tell you later sense which is nice the the Avengers uh, leave the Earth because the builders have shown up and have destroyed Galador the problem with this is there's no real introduction to the builders mm. there's kind of just an assumption that you know who the builders are you've been reading Avengers right mm. mm-hmm. and that's a real problem right because the Thanos thing really is clearly like this is Thanos. He's a bad guy. He's got these people working for him. They're also bad guys. They're all dangerous. He's up to something. We'll tell you later. What's the Builders thing really is, oh shit, it's the Builders. We better go into space. <laughs> now, are the Builders those dudes that popped up from the first three issues and were like... No, the Builders are the dudes behind those guys. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So as someone who read like the first five issues or something, I'm kind of like, okay, so I, you know, I kind of understand what's going on, but I also don't really understand what's going on. Right. Like, I get the, the broad strokes of these guys are dangerous, mm-hmm. and so the Avengers are going to take care of them, but I don't understand who these guys are. Right. Um, It's really weirdly... I, I Actually, before I even get into that, Jim Chung is drawing it, mm-hmm. and Jim Chung has find, found this beautiful sweet spot between his own style and like Jerome Apena style where he's wow. added slightly more rendering mm-hmm. so you've essentially got Jim Chung with a little bit more rendering so you can kind of see some Apena in there Jesus which is really nice yeah like it, it visually it's a lovely book I mean it makes you forget that Jim Chung can only draw one face <laughs> and everyone has one face mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I mean everyone who's willing to argue with me about this go back and look at Infinity everyone has the same face but it's okay because the rest of the book is so beautiful right um, yeah he's he's fight, like he's added just this extra little bit of line work in there mm-hmm. that, that is is really really nice it, and it really does link it to Apenya's stuff because Apenya's drawing shit the new Avengers tie-in mm-hmm. issues or something um, and so there, there's a night like he's sort of laying down a, a future continuity of future visual consistency there which is really really pleasant um it's a really weirdly laid out book is what i was going to say mm. there's lots of chapter breaks which are blank white pages with a chapter title on them uh, it starts off by saying a marvel comics event which all of them have said since civil war like <laughs> right. this is not a new thing they've all said a marvel comics event. but giving it a page to itself to say that uh really adds to and the chapter breaks to this as well really adds to like the pomposity of it yeah the, this is important. Do you understand? This is important. And Hickman has Hickman's attempt at epic has that tone anyway, mm-hmm. where you feel like it's someone telling you this is important as opposed to showing you why it's important. Yeah. So there's very much a self consciousness about its eventness, mm-hmm. about its scale. Um, it's it's really it's one of those books that is genuinely fine. There are there's a lot wrong with it, but there's nothing so wrong with it that you're like this is a disaster, like you do with uh, Age of Ultron, mm-hmm. or or even Fear itself. It feels stronger than the Fear itself's first few issues. Well, that's good. Um, so I, I, it's fine, I guess, is mm-hmm. what it comes down to. It's there's nothing really there to make me want to read more. Right. Uh, in large part because there's also nothing new here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, Thanos is going to do something. Oh, shit. But we've seen that a lot of times before. The Avengers have gone into space and something ter- terrible is going to happen. Oh, shit. But we've seen that before. The Avengers have gone into space and left Earth undefended. Oh, shit. But we've seen that before. Like, we've seen everything in, in Infinity before so far. Right. Even the Inhumans elements. 
we've seen before because it's the Inhumans are a secret society they are up to something that is no good and someone has discovered a dark secret about them which is like the Inhumans plot it is the one Inhumans plot yeah um so there's nothing new. There's nothing in the first issue makes me think, oh shit, I have to read more. Right. But it's all very professionally done. And if you like Hickman, you'll probably love it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, so here's the thing, Graham. Do you think that it's just possible to you know, follow up on what we're saying? Is it possible that we've sort of reached the event of there's nothing too many events well no no the opposite uh, the the i was cuz i was starting for the event horizon and then realized i was just me making noises with my face but essentially that we're kind of um we're like why aren't they playing anything new and marvel is very much in shut up and play the hits mode you know what i mean like uh yes and no i mean uh i'm I'm reading the uh, Trinity War. Mm-hmm. DC, like tiny, tiny mini events, like eight issues or however many issues it actually is. Right. Um, in part because they're sending me all the comics for free. <laughs> you know, I like. I'm not sure I would have bought them, shall we say? Right. But I'm finding myself enjoying it. Mm-hmm. It's nothing new under the sun. Right. Uh, but what I enjoy is both. It's again, it's very professional. It's very consistent. Mm-hmm. But I find myself enjoying it because it's nothing new under the sun. Mm-hmm. There's something uh, again. A, a Twitter conversation I was having yesterday. Uh, Seth Rosenblatt was saying essentially, I can't get into it because it's simultaneously alien enough that I can't get a grip on it. Mm-hmm. But it's not offering any new to replace what has previously been there. Like all I all I am aware of is the void of what has been lost right. by the new fifty relaunch. Yeah. Um, and I I'm finding kind of the opposite. With, with Trinity War. I'm finding Trinity War really interesting because of what is familiar and what is being put back into place and what is um, guess I guess the traditional aspects of it, the way in which it is sort of replacing things and the way that it, it is putting a lot of ideas back in, in that have been missing. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I, what The problem I have Mm-hmm. with it is that it's leading up into Forever Evil which for me as a reader is coming far too early mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the gimmick of Forever Evil is all the superheroes are like the Justice League is dead and all the superheroes are going to lose mm-hmm. I think doing that two years into your continuity is crazy right? because you haven't really provided enough of status quo of why we need the superheroes yet especially right. with the last years of New 52 books which is you know half of them have been the superheroes hate each other right Right. Like, you've, you've never provided that, and this is what happens when they all get along, which I mm-hmm. think is what you need before you're like, and now they're all gone. Right. Exactly. Uh, I, I think that they're rushing into the forever evil thing. In other words, you're saying, far. yeah, what happens when the unified front has fallen, and as you point out, there's never been a unified there's no front. Uni- yeah, there's never been. The unified front was before this continuity existed. Right. Right. And it's the same with the Superman books are bringing back Krypton, and it's like he's been around for two fucking years. Oh God, yeah, like, that's that's t- disastrous. Yeah, you know? that is that is that's a the huge last disaster. Thing you need to do. Yeah, you you um, have to leave Krypton off the table for as long as possible. You know. Yeah, it, it's and also again, a problem with both these titles is for every evil. You know, the heroes are dead. These villains have won. What's happening in Final Crisis in what two thousand nine? Mm-hmm. And Krypton last returned in Superman comics in like two thousand nine. Yeah, like all of these things have happened in living memory of kids who are reading these comics. Never mind people like me. Right, right, exactly. You could have been reading comics for less than ten years, and you're seeing this loop, 
and that's... You could have been reading Copies for Life in five years, Oof. and you're seeing this again. Yeah, 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 yeah. That you know, that, that, that's a real problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, I don't know. I mean, yeah, there is definitely an element of... I'm bored by the lack of new in Infinity. Mm-hmm. But uh, to sort of go along with what Seth was saying, I'm bored by the lack of new, but I'm also not seeing anything familiar enough to have any affinity for. Whereas in Trinity War, I am seeing things that I have an affinity for. I'm, I'm seeing things that I have. I'm like, oh, I recognize that. Okay. Whereas so, Infinity is just like, I don't get what's here. I don't see a here here. Well, but hmm, how do I put it? Doesn't that tilt because you're, a, I would say, more of a DC fan than a Marvel fan? Is it just possible then that essentially they're both sort of doing the same thing? Is, I, is your predilection for one over the other technically? I don't know because on one hand, sure. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I I've read a shit ton of Avengers comics. I've read a shit ton of Inhumans comics. Right. You know, I mean if the if Infinity was if Infinity was an event featuring uh fuck who? Nova and all the nineteen nineties X Men. Sure, I totally give you that. Right, but I'm familiar with these characters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, well, I, no, I know you're familiar with them. But how do I put it? It's the, it's not the familiarity as much as the fondness. You know what I mean? It's literally that thing of when when they get, you know, when Prince gets up there and launches into Purple Rain. You know <laughs> what I mean? And oh my God, you have, you have to. Have you seen the princes on Twitter? I saw that he was on there for like he Twitter bombed everyone okay. like Prince, yesterday. Prince's second Twitter, Prince's second tweet was I swear to God in all caps. This is Prince's second tweet. That was it. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. Oh, yeah, exactly. It really was. Okay. Uh, so anyway, so yeah, point, you know what I mean. It's like yeah, yes and no because. Uh, the Inhumans in particular, I will check out an Inhumans comic. Mm-hmm. Like, I even fucking checked out the Chuck Austin Inhumans comic. <laughs> you know? Right. Uh, like, I, ha- I have fondness for the Inhumans. Right. I, like, I have fondness for eras of the Avengers, but not really fondness for the Avengers as a concept, in part because I don't think there is an Avengers concept anymore. Right. Um, but, like, the Inhumans, I definitely do. Mm-hmm. And... And all I really got from this was, I've seen this before, but these aren't even the same characters. Like, they are. They've not been rebooted like the new 52 characters are, but they feel more alien to me. Oh, yeah. They, they just feel like shells. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that is that is my problem with a lot of the Marvel... I think that's my problem with Marvel Comics, is over the years, ever, they've just been scooped out. And and there's kind of a little bit of the to, to use the terminology, there is a bit of a shell game going on. The thing that helps me with DC is when they reboot every couple of years, it's easier to kind of be like, okay, sort of like this is why this guy is different. But the number of times where I'm like, like this is not the Tony Stark I grew up with. That's not how Steve Rogers would act in my brain. You know, it's not the you know that classic Matt Fraction. But you see, it happened, so it did. You know, kind of thing that 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 grates on me. It's like there are too many situations where I think people either have to act out of character or they're being written the way they've been written. You know, since I haven't been following it for the last six years, is now their character. Um, yeah, I just. It, it, because it never got and because it never got rebooted, I'm like, 
you know, and Spider-Man is in some ways the worst example of that, is, is that everything that Spider-Man has gone through from day one to here as a continuity, who he is now almost makes no sense. I mean, well, actually, by putting well, I mean, Dr. It, it Octopus makes, in his brain, yeah, it actually makes, yeah, yeah, exactly. Now it's Now it makes a ton of sense. But up till that point, it was... So I, you know, so I, I, I see your point on that. That is that is one that always resonates with me, unfortunately. And every once in a while, I'll I'll pick up characters where I'm like, I don't know. There, you know, it it was interesting to me. I think I told you like a couple of months back, they had that first Guardians of the Galaxy book by Abnett and Lanning on Marvel's app for free. And I snagged it. And at the time, I had read all the Annihilation. I had bought the entire Annihilation event and ran hot and cold on it because a lot of the characters weren't really the characters. You know what I mean? Sure, but, sure yeah. So, which is kind of silly because I'm like, Star-Lord, I remember Star- – you are no Star-Lord, my friend. But – which is stupid because Star-Lord really liked to reread him. I'm like, oh, but Star-Lord was nobody. You know, so – but but rereading <laughs> – Star-Lord was no Star-Lord, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But reading the Abnet Landing stuff, I was like, oh, right, these characters – like, I feel in many ways, like, I am more flexible with having the characters be who they are. I've, it's been enough that I've started to let go of the, like, oh, that's not my Ben Grimm. So, like, oh, okay, show me what you got. But th- so frequently, there's not a lot of there in there. There's not a lot. Yeah, there's not a lot of God. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I think the best example for this for me is Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. Because... Hawkeye is one of my again another of my favorite Marvel characters. Oh, Matt yeah. Fraction's Hawkeye is not, not Hawkeye. Hawkeye. No, like it's absolutely. it's just not. Mm-hmm. And like and you can almost trace back to Bendis's Hawkeye, but even Bendis's Hawkeye was more Hawkeye than Fraction's Hawkeye. That is totally oh, true. Fraction's Hawkeye is, for all intents and purposes, a complete reboot of the character. Yeah, a one hundred percent reboot of the character. Yep. And you, if you just sort of get that in your head, mm-hmm. it's fine and it works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But so much of so many of the Marvel characters have been entirely rebooted without them just saying we've done a reboot. Right. I can't think of one Marvel character who is consistent in his characterization today, mm-hmm. as he was even twenty years ago. Never mind fifty years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think that's very much true. Um... And I think the continuity. I think the characterization was fairly consistent all the way through the nineties. And I think it's basically like late nineties onwards, the characters have just gone to shit. Oh yeah. Well, I I think that, and that was that was part of my like my frustrations under Jameis and Casada's Marvel were that the characters were suddenly acting very different. But the fact that they were all some suddenly unshackled from continuity they could finally exist without having to be in other books yeah. or having them all cross over like more than compensated for for that and then yeah exactly it was it was pretty much fine because you're like okay that's the way they're acting in this comic right exactly okay. yeah exactly yeah. but then once you started to retie the universe back in together it was like Ugh. um so what what else did you read Graham? what else did you read okay what did i read uh i about got trinity war or no, Trinity War, if you like the, the DC stuff. it's Trinity War is another shell game. Mm-hmm. Trinity War is significantly unlike so much of the DC line, and yet makes me almost excited for the... Not even excited, interested, shall we say, in the DC line. Mm. Like, reading Trinity War, part of me is like, maybe Forever Evil's not going to be terrible. Interesting. You know, and that's a, that's a bad road to go down. But here's the thing, <laughs> it will. <laughs> like, even if, even if the core series, because it's going to be John's, and John's never is... Her, like, John's hasn't completely jumped the shark for me yet yeah uh 
but the rest of the tie-in books will be terrible. Mm-hmm. Like, will be terrible. Mm-hmm. Just the, the very concept, the more I get close to the concept of all the superheroes are having defeated, now the villains have to defend the world. I don't want to read that for seven months. I just don't. Right. And the idea of that's what it's going to be for more than half a year? Oh, God. But I read Trinity War and I'm like, you know, this is pretty solid. I'm kind of into it. Maybe I'll like it. And there's this little voice in my head that's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> I, I was in a, I was in a uh, comic store that I will not name for re- reasons that you're about to realize um, yesterday. And the person who was there was talking to me about um, DC fucking up the for, uh, Villains Month stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they were telling me just how badly they had been shorted on their order. And the answer was really, really, really badly. badly. Like, yeah. really badly. Mm-hmm. And the person was like, yeah, so uh, the manager was on the phone with our DC rep the other day. Mm-hmm. And the manager was just was just shouting at them, you fucked us, you motherfucker, you sold us on this. You t- I, they were like, I'm not even talking about the customers, I'm talking about us. You sold us on this, you told us this would all be fine. You told us to upper orders, and then you fucked us. You fucked us. You fucked us so badly. Yeah. And the person's like, yeah, I think before Villains Month happens, there's going to be a note in everyone's box saying it's orders only for DC from now on. Yeah. And I was like, wow, if that's if that's happening all over the country, that's a disaster for DC. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. I, I And I think that's it. I think... Th- it's probably not going to happen as widespread, but it should. I think it's going to happen. Yeah. Well, it, you know, it, it is going to happen. It is going to happen. There's a lot of people that are really fed up with that. And it's one of those situations where, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll see how it goes. But it's it's ugly. And people are not, understandably, are quite pissed off about it. So, yeah. Um, okay, so whatever, right? Yeah. Saga? Yes. Yay! It's nice to have Saga back, isn't it? It's is so good. Yeah, I I, I quite enjoyed it. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting because, of course, I had some problems that it jumped back in time, right? Yes, which was really weird, and also didn't hook back up with the end of the previous issue. Yeah, at the end of issue thirteen. You're still significantly before the end of issue 12, which kind of surprised me. Yeah, me too. I was like, wait, how long is it going to take us to cycle back to issue 12? Like, when are we going to catch up? And a part of me likes that. Part of me likes that I'm completely thrown off my game. But part of me is also like, no, but I want to know what the end of the high cliffhanger is. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Well, and I... Don't you fuck around with me with other cliffhangers. I want to know what the end of that cliffhanger is. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you on that one. I thought that that was a, a, a little bit of a, of a dicky maneuver. It'll be interesting. I'm assuming that's not going to be considering where they end up here. I assume that it may not be more than an issue or two, but who knows? That did yeah. throw me off my pins a little bit, and I did have that sort of panic of like, oh, God, did I miss it? And it what the fuck, you know? But in the best sense, it really... It is that classic case of I've grown so fond of the characters that I'm just glad to see them again and seeing them interact again, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. And I, and I think that I think that the saga really works in that I'm so invested in both sets of families now, I guess. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. It's really interesting seeing seeing the will mm-hmm. and, and create his family around him. Yes. It's really interesting because if you said to me, even... 
you know, six issues earlier, are you going to be interested in this character essentially having his own storyline and not interacting with the, <laughs> with the main characters? I'd be like, no, 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 no. And now I'm like, no, I want to see more of this. Yeah, I, I want to see where this is going. Like, yeah. you, you can skip, you can skip the characters you started the story with because I want to see more of this. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So he's built himself into this situation that is really just going to allow himself tremendous amounts of flexibility going forward, which just makes me really excited for the book. So, um. yeah, I, 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 it was just great. Again, mm-hmm. another really, really good issue for Saga. Yeah. Um, I also got the two, and this is a weird like chaser that makes sense in my brain and maybe in no one else's. Uh, the Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel and Faith are both. I picked up the the penultimate issues of both. They're uh, finishing next month or actually possibly this month mm-hmm. um, those are both it's amazing to me to think how much stronger those books are now or, or the Buffy book because the ancient book obviously didn't exist uh, but that comic franchise is now compared with when it finished season 8 it is light years away mm-hmm. it is so much stronger it's so much better it's so much tighter mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's one of the rare cases where you actually can see on the page They've learned their lesson from last time. Wow. They looked at what didn't work, and they learned from it. Um, both are great. Angel and Faith has been significantly better for me all along than Buffy. Mm-hmm. But at this point, Buffy might be coming out ahead. Wow. In terms of in terms of the one I want to see, basically, the conclusion of. Right. Um, yeah, I, I in, what, in many ways, Angel and Faith feels like it's peaked already. Mm-hmm. The, the, the quest that the characters were on actually ended, like two or three issues ago mm. and now it's the aftermath of dealing in uh, whereas for Buffy it's literally at the the next issue the final issue is everything that they have been going Building for for toward, the past right. two years wow uh, so, and so that's very very compelling mm-hmm. but Angel and Faith for some reason that always goes along with Saga with me in terms of hmm. for some reason I always go from one to the other mm-hmm. I can't mm-hmm. explain it hmm. but yeah it's, it's it's been very interesting I for people who like the TV shows I highly recommend actually I highly recommend skipping season 8 and jumping into season 9 you know uh, Dark Horse had a digital sell on Buffy season 9 and uh, I'm, I'm trying to be a little more prudent with my cash but I almost went all in because you had said so many good things about it I was like and then ultimately I didn't so I'm glad that it's holding yeah, up. It's been a really, it's been a really, really. Put it this way: this is the first time at this point the comic has felt just like the TV show. Wow! It wow. feels like the final episode of the TV show right now. You know, right. it's got that level of intensity, but that level of emotional intensity as well. The stakes mm-hmm. are real for the characters. It's not just we have to save the world. Right. At this point, it's we have to do this other thing, and I don't want to say it for spoiling it. Right. But we have to do this other thing, and if we succeed, the world's going to be saved. But really, fuck the world. It's this other thing that's what's important to us. Interesting. Okay. Uh, and so that really worked for me. Uh, Batman and Catwoman, which I think you read a while ago, because I'm I finally catching up and stuff. Batman. Batman. And Catwoman. Oh yeah, I did read that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. I like that. I, mm-hmm. I like that Batman is finally out of his. I must bring Robin back. <laughs> yelling shell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that that uh, episode yeah, was yes less yelly, so I liked it more. As I yes, recall. and and uh, I just like Carrie Kelly. I'm right. very drawn to the Carrie Kelly character, and I wonder where the fuck they're going with that plot because it goes. It's going to some weird fucking places right now. Yeah, it really uh, is, and I really wonder where they're going. Yeah, because I have no idea at this point. Yeah. Um, talk about Batman. 
Batman issue 23, Zero Year? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. You must have read this. I did. In fact, I was just getting ready to hold it up on the screen. What do you think? You know, I'm actually trying to remember... I- <laughs> It's kind of. It's kind I of. Don't know. Yeah, no. I really. I, honestly, I had one of those moments where I, I felt like, oh shit, I have to sit down and read the previous issue. You know, there's there's a couple of things. Like my basic take on it was levels of. I weirdly also like Saga I had this weird like huh did I miss an issue like where the last issue was in my brain from a month ago and where this issue is I'm kind of like okay I missed a lot of it or something like I also had that oh interesting okay yeah Um, I also had the huh and then I looked and I was like wait no it's part three I've definitely read two parts of this before yeah exactly so I read both of the parts I kind of feel like some weird part got dropped out and I don't know if that's just me I liked the way that I like some of the decisions that Snyder has made to refocus this Batman's origin, I suppose, if that makes sense. Um, in that Snyder, sort of the same way that Jeff Johns has done things uh, when he's like, for example, a classic example is his, you know, Johns's Green Lantern Secret Origin character Mm -hmm. thing is Batman Zero Year really does seem to go to great lengths to be like kind of meet like like okay we we all dig Miller Mosicelli's like year one but are aware that that Batman that you end up with is not really the Batman that ends up in bat in DC in the DC universe from that point forward and I really feel that 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 Snyder is going to great lengths to kind of make sure to like keep the parts that were cool or interesting about year one in in very vague shapes or outlines or give them various call outs but very much flesh out an idea of a Batman who is going to be have have a continuity I suppose sort of moving forward and also uh, like flesh coming from a sort of more fully fleshed out background if you see what I'm saying you know? Yeah. No, I, I totally understand. Yeah. So, I I liked it. I I'm I have run back uh, hot and cold on Snyder's Batman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm enjoying Zero Year a lot more than I expected it to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm running hot and cold within it, but even at the same time, I'm finding it a tremendously enjoyable Batman. And for the most part, I think it really knows what it wants to be. It has a very clear set of ideas. And interestingly enough, I do feel that there is um, I feel like Snyder is taking some great lengths to try and um, not characterize his Batman as you know, like he's trying to create something that's a little closer to the Morrison Batman, I suppose. You know what I mean? In terms of... Yeah, it's a more super heroic Batman. Yeah, it's a more super heroic Batman. It's a Batman that is surrounded by darkness all the time but is not necessarily himself as dark a Batman you know so yeah uh, I I like it and of course Capullo's art is lovely so um, you know interestingly enough I should mention I picked up uh, because I didn't have the previous one but I picked up the last 
two issues, issues 22 and 23 of Suicide Squad, which I think are the last two issues that are Alice the last two issues of, of Alice God, yeah. And I liked them. I actually ended up in, like, issue 22 I enjoyed tremendously because of Patrick Zercher's art, but I, I also enjoyed what Cot was doing, and then 23 was just, it was, it's a weird, funny book like i i really think that that those books ended up being a lot more weird and goofy uh in ways that i found i found really enjoyable i was kind of surprised yeah it was it was it was really welcome how funny i guess they were yeah i don't know like suicide squad not least of all because the ostrander run Mm-hmm. But Suicide Squad is the book that you're like, it's the dark villain book. Yeah. And Cod almost made it goofy. Yeah. Oh, he... he Whereas, yeah. But, mm-hmm. but he didn't really lose the menace of it, which was what worked. Like, it was yeah. a an unsettling goofy. It was a funny, but you feel a little bit guilty. Yeah. For laughing book. Yeah. A little bit guilty for laughing without it being kind of a... Without it being, like, at J.T. Kroll heights of that. You know what I mean? Like it actually yeah, yeah, I yeah, thought struck yeah. a really, really nice balance. So I'm I'm actually quite bummed to see Alice go. Uh I, I'm I'm very bummed he's off. I really am. Yeah. Uh he he was tweeting out this week he's he started another big two project. Hmm. Um and I'm 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 very happy for him. Mm-hmm. I'm very nervous. Uh, especially if it's a DC book, that yeah. it'll be like Suicide Squad and it'll kind of be stillborn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I, I, I'm, I, it's, as you know, like as this podcast knows, I have gone from uh, extremely disdain, disdainful to uh, surprising myself how much I am enjoying mm-hmm. Coates' work. Mm-hmm. Uh, the point where like he's tweeting out hints of zero, and I'm like, I really want to read that fucking book. <laughs> Stop fucking! Stop fucking showing me covers of zero. I just want to read zero. Fuck you! Don't yet, you know. Um, and I, I, I like, I like that Suicide Squad ended up being what it was. Mm-hmm. It, it was a, a do- different tone for him and a different type of project. Yeah, and made me think, oh, he's got even more chops than I thought. Yeah, I, I feel like that's every, exactly everything. It. I, I feel like everything I see from him. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, he's better than I thought, continually. And it's gone from, like, I don't like him at all, to, oh, maybe I do, to, oh, I really like this, yeah. to, oh, shit, no, he's really good. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think I'm think i definitely at that level, those last two issues of Suicide Squad. Now, there, there were definitely things that were kind of still not fully in place for me, mind you, but, but unsurprisingly... I mean, you know, the guy had like... On his fifth issue. Yeah, exactly, exactly. He had like four issues or whatever it was, five, you know. So, so yeah, I don't know. I enjoy. I picked those up uh, a little bit out of um, a sense of dutifulness and then found myself enjoying them, uh, enjoying them tremendously. I really did. I dug them. So... What else did you read? Well, let's see. Uh, I read the A plus X. I have to say I read another good chunk, like... 40 pages or so of Rogue Trooper and Catch It 1, and they were both awesome. Uh, are, are they still doing it for you? Oh, God, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. There's there's this one up. There's this... So there's a... Um, there's There was a sequence in Catch It 1 where basically the rabbits are promised R&R, uh, and then the, the Tet Offensive breaks out. 
It's so fucked up, Jeff. I know. I know. I can't help it's it. It's so fucked up. So, so you have these rabbits and they're like, you know, that they, they were talking about all the booze that they were all going to go drink and, and all the relaxation that they were going to go do. And I didn't realize that, that if you were married, like R&R, you could actually go to Hawaii to be with your wife as opposed to being, you know, going to wherever. They mention it in the footnotes. Um, Saigon or whatever. And... Uh, it, talking about what was going to happen, and the next thing you know, there's this huge firefight, and their base is so totally being dissembled, and they're being overrun, and then Perkins gets shot, and you're like, no, not Perkins, and it was just, it was great, and then followed it up, like, at the end of it, they're like, sorry, guys, like, r is canceled, and then... Like an episode or two later, they get R&R and they go to Saigon together, the three of them, and it's all – it's great. They go there and all it is is basically they relax and then a cafe gets firebombed in front of them. Like there's terrorist attacks. There's – you know – cats on motorcycles because, of course, the whole city is cats. And this is the other thing that's also kind of great is that weird – the the essential xenophobia that that is baked into the funny animal by races concept probably yeah. to me like it was like mouse I'm like oh okay that's one thing but like when you go and you see Saigon and it's an entire city of cats and then you just see some cats go out and shoot other cats in a car or whatever it's really weird and shocking like and it's weird and shocking in exactly I feel like the way that it's supposed to be you know mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and so at the same time you're also kind of like wow i'm i'm watching i'm reading a book that is totally about the vietnam war portrayed by cats and rabbits i have to every 40 pages my mind kind of just jumps out of its head flips around and goes back into its skull um but i really dug it uh so those are great and then rogue trooper is awesome you know there's that whole sequence where Rogue is being run down by basically a giant mobile computer and his only chance is plugging the two chips into the computer core and then you've got the the gunner and helm uh, are back, are inside the computer as animate, animated bodies, essentially, virtual reality stuff. And so they're like, look out, duck, there's a memory cleaning ray coming at us, you know. It's awesome. I like... I meant to, I meant to ask you last week. As an American reading Rogue Trooper, mm-hmm. are the Civil War callouts like just as crazy to you as they were to me when I realized? Because when I read it first, I just didn't get it. I have to and admit, I, I didn't like, get it for the first forty pages either. Too like the first six the Norks and the Stouthers, you didn't like that didn't jump out to you at all. No, I was like, okay, so North and South, you know, it's a, it's a very binary thing. Once it once it became the weird because at one point they distract. There be it's again just one of those like brilliant sequences of like who cares about like a talking helmet or backpack is like that sequence where he's being held captive and they're marching through the mists and then he you know Rogue has I think the uh, helm starts singing like oh when the South goes marching in or whatever and I was yeah. like. Oh, oh shit. Oh, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm kind of creeped out by that. Like I remember like David Brothers being like incredibly sort of like grossed out quite understandably by the the idea that John Carter was a southerner, you know, like had fought for the mm-hmm. south in the civil war and sort of the whole like 
like that was that's like the the American version of Ronin, you know, the the guys who ended up without a, you know, soldiers who ended up without a lord yeah. after the fact, you know, which I think is a concept we all love in Japanese literature and then find kind of repugnant when it's applied to civil war culture. I mean, I'm sure there's some guys with some kind of Confederate flags on their living room who disagree with me. Um, but for me, I'm like, it's, so it's kind of squicky. So the idea that, that rogue is actually fighting for the South, but I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, it's, uh, that's the great thing about being immersed in racist, patriarchal pop literature for so long i'm just like oh i can ignore that you know what i mean white guy privilege i'm like ah, it's a little distasteful but meh, you know like meh. you know it's not nearly as it's it's space civil war they're totally different i i mean the thing in that's... this in this one the norts were the racists right we're the racists exactly so i mean there's kind of that thing of 2000 ad where they're just we're part of what I, part of what really squicked me out originally is part of what I love now, which is like, okay, so you ready to read more about the fascist who can do no wrong? Is like, hell yes, you know, like I'm just totally like, yeah, but what, what's fascinating? What's fascinating about uh, both Rogue Trooper and Dread and that is that the series go on for so long that they begin to subvert their own premise. Oh yeah. So you read Dredd now, and Dredd is essentially a Democrat who doesn't believe in the system, but also thinks that it's the only thing that's better than the complete anarchy that will happen if he allows himself to question it. Yes. And if you read if you read Rogue more, and you know this is hardly a spoiler, Rogue essentially it's kind of in the name. Rogue essentially is going to abandon both sides. Yes. Yeah. Right. Rogue is going to Rogue is destined to uh, to go well to to abandon the war. Yes. Yes. Um. And so it's really interesting that you start out from these questionable sort of, not even sensationalists, because it's baked into the premise, but also disguised and aimed at an audience that just doesn't understand it. Right. Like, it's baked into the premise almost to entertain the creators. Yes. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But, but then, it, then it comes into the point where you do get the, the, the questioning and you get the unpicking and you get the, oh, shit, there's so much more here than I thought. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. And uh which which so I I do adore that. I really do. Um and it is great. I read the 2008 the Judge Dread free comic book day comic was available for free during the IDW's Judge Dread sale. So I got to read the first oh, yeah, yeah. Judge Death and and the Walter the Wobot one-shots um mm-hmm. by Boland and it was really interesting to me to read the Judge Death stuff because I remember reading it at the first time around and being kind of confused by it because it was such a um, how do I put it like there's a, there's supposed to be a, that idea for me from years of reading American superhero comics is like when you have a character that looks like your hero but is different but is the evil version he's going to stand for the antithesis of the values that the hero stands for and the thing yeah, that's yeah. really creepy about the first issue of judge you know first appearance of judge death is he really is just kind of the natural logical extension of the judge dread concept like he's such a he is such a self criticism of the strip and in a way that nobody even really works very hard to shrug off, you know, they're just kind of like, yeah. oh, that's gone too far 
you know, let's shoot some perps until he shows up again kind of thing, you know? And I was also shocked by the Silver Age ending of it. Like, I was totally not expecting, uh, and spoilers... They're just like, yeah, yeah, we're just going to stick you in rubber. And then we're going to put, like, a little plaque on you. I'm like, fucking, so Judge Anderson gets to, like, join the Legion of Superheroes, like, you know, ten centuries from now with her Judge Death powers. You know what I mean? Like, it was so Pharaoh lad. Like, here's the unknown, you know, the judge who sacrificed it all. You know? It's just, it's fucking crazy to have a Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes ending at the end of your ultra-nihilistic Judge Dredd story fucking blew my mind that was kind of oh, great if, if, have you not read a lot of old dread like, i haven't have i haven't i've got i've got oh, volumes one and five oh, here man. and yeah, yeah you, uh, you, you have to read like there's stuff there that will blow your fucking mind i'm Jeff. totally sure and this is the problem it's just i started in on on volume one and you know unsurprisingly for a character that's been running for a long time it's kind of slow going so I, oh yeah i mean if if there was a like if I, I'm very surprised IDW haven't done this mm-hmm. if they did a we're going to do a series of trades but it's only the big mega epics right right that would be like Jeff definitely like picked up the cur- pick up the cursed earth pick up like Apocalypse War pick up the Judge Child pick up all that shit right exactly um, because that's the stuff that has the continuity and the long term planning that you'll recognize mm-hmm. but also will just like go hilariously off the rails of points where you'll be like, I have no fucking idea what they were thinking when they did this. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Which is definitely uh, one of the things that I'm adoring and dread. Um, I sat down to read my Shonen Jump Alpha like all the way through and I keep thinking that I've got something to report about that that's like interesting or more interesting than what you would expect uh, I'm still loving Toriyama's stuff. In fact, I went to the main branch of the San Francisco Library uh, today after meeting a friend downtown, and so I can't like I I have I picked up this much manga wow. basically. Yeah, so yeah, she did. I have like two volumes. Listeners, of- that that's that's a considerable pile. You can't see it because Jeff and I keep forgetting that like we can see each other, but you can't see us. <laughs> Uh, Jeff is holding up a significant pile of manga right now. Yeah, I'll probably take a picture of it. You know the thing. Oh, oh actually, hold on. Let me see if I can take a picture of this. Uh, what is it? Is it Command Four? Um, no, it just threw up on me. It was Command Shift Four. Yeah, there we go. Okay, I'm going to take a picture of our little screenshot because I don't know if you noticed, but I annotated the fuck out of the show notes last time. So. Um, <laughs> And I don't know. Oh, you know what else? I don't know if you do it as listeners, but Jeff. Oh man! Have you ever seen this? This Yes, I've seen. I've never read the whole thing. Yeah, this is the whole thing. It's it is it is the whole thing. It's the whole thing. Oh, motherfucker! Uh, Listeners, Jeff is holding up the uh, Kirby adaptation of the Patrick McGoon Prisoner. Yeah, which was uh, photocopied and given to me, like, probably back in, like, 1998, 1999, maybe. And digging through a bunch of my old stuff, I came across it and started rereading it. And it's great. And you know the thing that I love, because this is my whole, like, meta-message thing, is, like, this shot of Patrick McGowan, like, it looks like Patrick McGowan to me. It also looks like Jack Kirby. 
I love. I'm. I'm. I I'm can a- say that. I, what, what I love is it looks like Patrick McGoon and also it doesn't look anything like Patrick McGoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's totally the case. Well, and that's it exactly. There's parts where his 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 ability to caricature him is sometimes quite good. Uh, and then, actually, I'm not even sure. And there's parts where it's not. <laughs> oh, it's, it is so bad. It is It is so incredibly. But I'm kind of obsessed with the idea that if given his druthers, like Kirby would have done The Prisoner and worked in meta references to himself being trapped in Marvel Comics. Um, yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, what I'd love, I'd love to see the Engelhart Prisoner. I'd love to see that too. Actually, while flipping through it, you know, it was always such a bummer that it got killed, you know, essentially for this version. So, you know, it's, that hurts. But yeah, I would love to see it. And part of me is also kind of like, why doesn't somebody get the rights and do a comic book for this? Like, why out of the, I mean, apart from the fact that even as I was reading it, part of the problem with The Prisoner is it is a complete self-contained Show like you know what I mean. Like you either do well, things. Do, in between remember, the scenes. Matt Wagner did the did the sequel. Oh yeah, was it Matt Wagner or was it what's his face? Oh, it was Dean Motter. Yeah, Motter's Dean Motter. Yeah, did the sequel. Yeah. How was that? Was that anything? Do you remember? But this way, have you ever really wanted to see a sequel to The Prisoner? Yeah, I think that's part of the problem, isn't it? Yeah. 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 See. So I think I think that's the thing that's problematic about The Prisoner is I would love to see. It's sort, of, it's sort of like what we were talking about with Lee and Kirby's Fantastic Four. I want to see it. You just have to recreate it. You can't You can't just redo it, if you know what I'm saying. You know? You've got to take yeah. everything that, that went into it that made well, it awesome. The, the problem with that. that is you then get the AMC recreation from a couple of years ago, which was terrible. Which sounded, But that's, that looked so shitty. I mean, come on. Oh, it, it was, was just... It was... It's one saving grace was having the woman from Luther as the femme fatale. Ooh! Oh, that would have been awesome. But that, that was it. That was it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there were there was some scene where they were looking at that, and I was just like, "God, can Americans just not do this?" And I'm I'm sure we can. It's just most of them, given their druthers, just can't. You know, like it was so. I was like, "It is so leaden." It had none of the lightness of touch. It really was the like, "No, but let us explain to you why this is so important." Hammer, 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 and it's like, like you don't get that. Like it, it's one of the things that's great about the prisoner is even just flipping through Kirby's thing where he's trying to leave and he tries to get into it. Like he's trying to ask the waitress questions and she won't answer, and then he gets into a cab and the cab person's not driving him anywhere. Like that's such um, that's such a weirdly universal fear. You know what I mean? Like it's it, mm. it you know it doesn't have to be any stronger than that. But there is kind of also at the same time that weird like the problem with our mega spectacles is some somehow like no, but what does this mean for the world? And what does it mean for the character? How's it important to the character and the world? But the character, I, I'm yeah, loving this that, like well, FaceTime was... camera thing. I have to say, <laughs> poor Graham is watching me do itsy bitsy spider. Essentially, uh, it is what I, listeners what you should know is that when Jeff says for the world, he's holding his hands up at the top of the screen, and then for the character, he pulls it down to the bottom. So it, it's kind of spectacular for the world, for the character, for the girl, for the character. <laughs> I'm saying this like everyone can see me. I know. It's great watching you redo it. And I saw it. I'm like, this is so funny because they're not going to catch it either this time, Graham. Even with you describing it. Uh, but Okay. So the problem with the AMC one really was they couldn't accept that the village was supposed to be a normal town. Right. But weird. 
they were like, what if it's a shantytown? But it's a shantytown that's also, like, posh. But it's a posh shantytown in the middle of a desert. And you're like, no, the village is, a, like, it's anywhere. Yeah. And, and has everything. It has all the amenities, but everything's off. Yes. It's not that everything is completely fucked up. It's that everything is off. Mm-hmm. It's normal, but it's not. Exactly. And that's what makes it scary. Yeah. That's what makes the, the prisoner work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Such a shame. Such a shame. Well, uh, anyway, so I think that covers the comics that I read. Uh, well, we have also reached our time limit. Jim. Oh, we have, but, like, we have come to the end of our, our show. Shoot. What have you got? What have you got, Jeff? Nothing. What have I, you got? I, I know you got I do well. I do. I did end up reading um, three new stories by Dash Shaw. Uh, I don't. I liked it okay. I liked it okay. It was something I've been meaning to pick up for a long time, and I'm like, oh man, this Dash Shaw is an incredibly talented dude. Um, and then I'm not really sure that the that any of the stories really ended up connecting to me in an especially great way. Um, oh wait, maybe the last one did because it was the one that reminded me the most of floating. Uh, classroom, um, where it's like all these kids get put into prison. That was actually pretty great. Uh, it's like a bunch of 10 year olds. I think the story is called, yeah, Bronx Children's Prison. And it's about a bunch of kids that suddenly just get pulled into hard labor. It's like Orange is the New Black, uh, if it were done as a psychedelic children's story. So. <laughs> uh, great, but kind of minimal. And then, of course, at the end, they all try and make an escape for it. And kids are being shot in the head. And dogs are, like, hunting them down. And then she's trying to climb over the barbed wire to escape. It, lo- it looks very good, the, just what you're holding up. Like, visually, it looks very impressive. Visually, it's fantastic. Yeah, he's doing these things where he's, like, drawing his art onto... It looks like he's drawing his art onto colored backgrounds or colored images and stuff. Very much in the first story, especially, you can see that, where he's drawing a, an interior classroom scene, but it's against, like, a postcard of, like, a lake or something like that. So the dissonance is really wonderful. So his chops are amazing, but in terms of it being... Uh, even for me, I, you know, I, I guess I would give it a chilly formalist two thumbs up, but but I'm not... I'm not. I'm not very heavily in my chili formalist phase, so I kind of only have. I feel we should always classify your two thumbs up now. Is this a chili formalist two thumbs up? Is this a, a nostalgia genre two thumbs up? Like what's our two right? Thumbs up? Is it a, is and, it a post ironic ironic two thumbs up? Jeff is doing visual humor, <laughs> listeners, which plays very well for me and does not play at all for you. The fact that you and I can see each other doing this now is the worst thing for this podcast. I know. It is really terrible. It is really terrible. I mean, the great part is hopefully people will catch on the fact that our amusement factor is high, the energy is high, <laughs> but it is absolutely bad. I mean, the worst part is, like, for whatever reason, because of the way that the light is hitting my face and the curtains are drawn... You're looking very shiny right now. I know, guys? I know. I really kind of feel shiny. And, of course, that's making me more hammy. But I also sort of feel like it's like caveman. Okay, that's scary. Yeah, that's continuing to be. Okay. <laughs> See, that's what you need to do to freak me out. Because otherwise you sort of look like Mr. Clean. Okay, no, no, stop. Stop, Graham. Okay, don't do that. I'm putting my hand over the. <laughs> okay, so listeners, this is the part that does you absolutely no good whatsoever. So we this should... is the part. This is the part where I tell you that we actually do have a skip week next week because okay. So last week I said I don't know if we're back next week. 
this is what happens. I am actually not available on a Thursday, and he said it was this Thursday, and it's next Thursday. Which, if had it been this Thursday, means we wouldn't have been able to do a podcast. But I was. We have. Hooray, you're listening to it. Next Thursday, I will not be available, so we're doing a skip week. Yes. Yep. I think that you covers it. You got nothing to add to that, Jeff? Yeah, okay, I, I, think that, I think that's it. <laughs> so yeah, uh, two weeks from now, we'll be back. Uh, yes. And in two weeks, uh, what, what's, what's even coming out in two weeks, Jeff? I don't. I don't know. I feel like there's going to be stuff. I mean, it, but maybe not. Maybe I feel in like two weeks we might have the end of Trinity War, and we may actually know what what DC are fucking. Two weeks, Jeff, is September. Two yeah. weeks from now, we will have the first of the Villains Month covers. Oh man, oh, we'll man. we'll know what 3D lenticular covers look like. We'll know what 3D Jeff, lenticular. It'll be a brave new fucking world. You'll be like, I'm looking at Ventriloquist right now, and I can tell you that dummy is almost moving. Yikes. <laughs> okay, I think that's actually maybe the most brilliant line about the DC lenticular covers yet, because that is great. Because all of a sudden I'm like, oh my god, if it was like you just turned it and the mouth was like, eh, uh, eh, uh, eh, I would probably get that <laughs> like fucking cover. They're looking at me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I I fucking want that comic now. Watch me go out on eBay and pay scalpers <laughs> prices for it. Well done. Uh, you know, the other thing they'll be interesting to talk about will be, because, you know, Kick-Ass 2 opens tomorrow. Um, yes, it does. I will be curious to see, will it triumph at the box office? Will it barely win at the box office? Will it flat out lose at the box office? I'll be very curious to see what it means for Mark Miller in, in the Millerverse and that weird, why do I care well, what well, it looks like? Well, let's face it. Mark Miller will tell you it's what it's a win no matter what. Of course he will. Of course he will. Which is why I think it Mark, probably... Your, your, your film lost $72 million, but that's great. It frees up all my time to work in all the Fox stuff. Oh, Mark Miller. <laughs> it's true. He is the king of spin, which really says something so very sad about the state of spin. I mean, it really does. So <laughs> it says, it says a lot about comics, doesn't it? Mark Miller is the spokesman for our, our industry. Oh, shit. Yeah, but, dude, I mean, that's it. He's sort of a weirdo-type player in, like, in Hollywood. That's it. In Hollywood, the whole, like, oh, he's lying through his teeth sensibilities really just don't mark him as anything different in any way. He has to work harder to stand out. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So you're lying, but what else are you bringing to the table here for us? So, uh, yeah, so listeners, two weeks from now... We clearly failed to tease it in any way, but chances are good. Graham will be talking. I will be talking. We'll probably be looking at one another again, uh, and and hopefully we won't be cracking one another up with faces so much. Listeners, if everything goes well, two weeks from now, I will have at least one lenticular cover. Really? At least one. Well, I, if only because, like, I, I'm sure some are going to be at my local store. Like, it might not be a comic I want, but I will buy one lenticular cover just for the ability to do it on camera so that you can see it. Ooh, that's very exciting. While, while we record. That, that is, when you say, when you say listeners, you mean me. That's actually not going to benefit no, no, them in any way whatsoever. Is your response. Oh, okay. That's the bus. <laughs> 
All right. That's the value add right there. There we go. Listeners, I will be working up amazing expressions of exclamation. Ah, Ah, great googly moogly. You know, it's like, stop, stop making it move, Graham. Stop. No, now it's, oh, now it's pointing at me. No, stop, stop. Is Deadshot actually shooting me? It looks so lifelike. I, f- I feel like there are bullet wounds entering my body just by the way that can't... Yeah, that's not going to happen. That's not. I like that bullets are entering your body, but bullet wounds are entering your body. What exactly do you think happens to you when you get shot, Jeff? Bye! <laughs> <laughs> wow! Jeff's like, we're on. You're ready for the first time, everyone. Bye! <laughs>